الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى We're going to start بإذن الله الكريم today the شرح of الورقات written by أبي معالي الجويني رحمه الله عبد الملك بن يوسف الجويني That is the kitab that we're going to start today inshallah inshallah ta'ala but before we start the kitab until salatul isha we will do a quick madkhal a quick introduction into the science so you have an understanding of it before we inshallah ta'ala embark on studying the book inshallah ta'ala the first thing that i want you to know inshallah ta'ala is um, what is the ruling regarding learning usul al-fiqh? So what does usul al-fiqh mean? We'll come to that in the book, so I'm not going to define it now. Normally, you define a subject. But here, I won't define it because Abi Ma'ali al-Juwaini defined it himself in the book. But I will speak about what is not inside the book. Hukmu ta'allum what is the ruling in learning usul al-fiqh? This subject, usul al-fiqh. What is the ruling in learning this science called usul al-fiqh? What's the ruling? This science is from the sciences which the scholars call furudu kifaya. Fardu kifaya. It is a communal obligation. It's a communal obligation, meaning not every single person has to know it. It's not an individual obligation. As long as there's a group of people doing it, as long as there's a group of people studying it, not every single body has to study usul al-fiqh. If a group of people stand up to study it, then the obligation is lifted from what? The remaining. But the scholars, they say, Usul al-fiqh is obligatory. It's fardu ayn on the individual who wants to do ijtihad. Independent reasoning. If a person wants to do man arad al-ijtihad, anyone who wants to do ijtihad, he has to know usul al-fiqh. He has no choice. Some of the scholars also say, mention another person who the usul al-fiqh becomes obligatory on them is the one who has malaka. Indahu malaka. He has the ability. He's a person who has sharp mind. He's a person who's strong in his observation, in his look. They say this type of person, man yajidu fi nafsihi al-qudrah. Anyone who can find in himself the ability to extract the ahkam of the sharia, has the ability. And he has that, mashallah, sharp mind and that ability, then they say for him also, usul al-fiqh may be obligatory. The second point that I want to speak about today is, هَلْ يُقَدَّمُ تَعَلُّمُ أُصُولُ الْفِقْءِ أَمْ تَعَلُّمُ الْفِقْءِ Which one should we study first? Usul al-fiqh or fiqh? 
What is the difference between the two? We'll come to it, don't worry. Because the book is going to mention it for us, inshallah ta'ala. But the question here is, do we have to study? Should we study usul al-fiqh first? Or do we study fiqh first? The scholars are of two opinions. There are two views regarding this. Two views. The first view, they say, you have to study ta'allum al-usul. You have to learn usul al-fiqh. Why? Because they said usul al-fiqh is the foundation. Usul al-fiqh is the what? Foundation. And fiqh is the what? What is built upon the foundation. So they said the foundation needs to be known before you study that which is built upon the foundation. Are we all together? So those scholars, that's their view. The second view is fiqh needs to be known. Fiqh needs to be known and the person has to know fiqh first before he studies usulul fiqh. The reason why they said this and this view Abu Ya'la al-Farra Abu Ya'la al-Farra he pushed a second opinion strongly in his kitab al-Udda fi usulul fiqh and his argument is usulul fiqh needs examples as we're going to see in the book inshallah ta'ala a lot of examples need to be given and so if you do not have fiqh with you you won't, able, you won't be able to understand the usul al-fiqh because the usul al-fiqh needs what? examples from fiqh so they said the person should study fiqh والصوابو, what is correct inshallah ta'ala and that which is the strongest opinion is the person should first of all have some knowledge of fiqh especially qismul ibadat kutubul fiqh is divided into how many? two types it depends on how you look at it but generally the books of fiqh are divided into two qism which is ibadat and qism which is mu'amalat the person should know the he should know the ibadat al-tahara al-salah al-zakah al-sawm and al-hajj he should know these before he tries to embark on studying what? usul al-fiqh because some of the examples that are going to come are mainly going to come from what? the ibadat are we all together? Once the person does the ibadat, then they can go for usul al-fiqh. And this can reconciles between what? It reconciles between the two views. Which is that you don't have to study all of fiqh and then go for usul al-fiqh. But you just have to study the obligatory portion of fiqh first. Which is the ibadat. Are we all together? So person learns tahara, the person learns salah, the person learns zakah, the person learns saum, hajj. These are pillars of Islam that a person needs to know. Does that make sense? Usul al-fiqh. What is the benefit in learning it? What benefit will I take from it if I study this book? Number one, fawaidu ta'allumu usul al-fiqh. The benefit in learning usul al-fiqh is it clarifies for you. Usul al-fiqh explains to you. It, it, it clarifies for you. Al-manahid wal-usus The foundation And the methodology And the path In which The faqih, the jurist Can extract rulings from the Quran and the sunnah So it gives you a methodology 
It gives you a path. It gives you a way to be able to extract rulings from the Quran and the Sunnah. You can deduct rulings from the what? The Quran and the Sunnah. This is what it benefits you. Number two, the second benefit in learning usul al-fiqh is it gives you tranquility in your heart. It brings to your heart tranquility. When you see the way that the scholars reach their conclusions, it gives you tranquility. Now you know how this all came about. That it wasn't just a fatwa like that. Yajuzu la yajuzu. But rather, it was a systematic approach which they took in deducting and reaching this conclusion. You realize, and so you will have more trust in your scholars and the people of knowledge. And you'll also know asbab al-ikhtilaf. The reason why this difference came in the first place. You'll understand. And within there you will learn which view is the strongest. All of this comes. That's all the second point. Number three. This science will help you with giving rulings. Placing rulings on matters that have come recently. Recently occurred events. Nawazil and Mustajaddat. You will learn a new issue happened. A new technology has been has been discovered. And new issues are revolving around it. Because you've studied Usul al-Fiqh and you have the knowledge of Usul al-Fiqh this issue which is new hasn't been seen before you'll be able to use your qawaid and the usul that you know to derive a ruling for it then this issue has no previous ruling no previous are you with me brothers you'll be able to you'll able you'll be, you'll be able to place a ruling on it and say yajuzu la yajuzu because you know what usul al-fiqh and it also even benefits you that from there you start to value the deen of al-Islam. Why? You learn that this religion is salihatun li kulli zamanin wa makan wa muslihatun li kulli zamanin wa makan wa muslihun li kulli zamanin wa makan That our religion it rectifies every situation and it perfects every problem there is. من اهتدى بهديه فقد ظفر ومن يحد عن نهجه فقد خسر تلفي به إلى الفلاح منهجا وأبري إشو ذات وحاف يبرز السكسس تلفي به إلى الفلاح مخرجا وعن جميع المعضلات مخرجا فليس خير قط إلا قرره ولم يكن من شر إلا حذره فديننا لم يخل عن حكم على مر الزمان until the day of judgment there's not an issue except our religion has given a word a ruling, but in what way lacking? Principles. It gives a big... Like for example, you have internet. You are harming somebody through the internet. You're causing a person harm through internet. Now, did the Prophet know internet? Did the Sahabas know internet? Is it permissible to harm somebody through internet? It's from the Nawazin and the Mustajaddat. Are you with me? 
you're going to use a qa'idah which is what? La darara wa la dirar. See? So even though this issue is new, the qa'id are still there. Are you with me, brothers? So, it helps you with the mustajadat, the newly invented matters, and things like that. And it shows you that this religion, there is not a situation, there is not a land, there is not a place, except Islam has, um, has, auth- has an answer and a solution for that problem. Now we're going to go into the musannafat usul al-fiqh, the books that are written in usul al-fiqh. The books that are written in this subject. Um, the first person who wrote in the science is in Usul al Fiqh was who? Al Imam Muhammad ibn Idris al Shafi'i rahimahullah. Abu Abdullahi Muhammad ibn Idris al Shafi'i. Walidarik al Sahib al Maraqi, what did he say? Wa awalu man sannafa, wa awalu man alafa fil kutubi, Muhammad ibn Shafi'i al Mutalibi, wa gayruhu kanalahu salika, mithlulli lil urbi min khalika. He said, The first person who wrote in Usul al-Fiqh was who? Muhammad ibn Shafi'i al-Muttalibi. Muhammad ibn Shafi'i. Al-Ibam Shafi'i. وغيره, now you might think to yourself, Abu Bakr didn't know Usul al-Fiqh. Jazakallah khayyanan. Abu Bakr didn't know Usul al-Fiqh. Umar didn't know Usul al-Fiqh. The author, the Alfiya, the thousand lines of Usul al-Fiqh. Abdullah ibn Hajj al-Shankhidri, what did he say? وغيره كان له سليقة. Those who came before Imam al-Shafi'i, they knew usul al-fiqh innately. They knew it innately. It was in their system. They didn't know it like amun, khasun, mutlaq, muqayyad, mujmal, mubayyan, nasiq, mansuq, zahir, nas. They didn't know it like that. But they knew it. Through what? Innately. As the poet said, لَسْتُ بِنَحْوِيٍ يَلُوكُ لِسَانَهُ I am not a grammarian but I am an Arab born as an Arab lived as an Arab my tongue doesn't have to look after grammar rules I don't have to I don't need to do that I don't need to think like that I speak and when I speak is correct that's how the Sahabas were Usul al-Fiqh for them was was innate, it was inside them. Are we all together, brothers? When the Sahabas needed it, they'll bring it out, their, their knowledge of Usul al-Fiqh, and they will apply it. Are you with me? It's like when it's a rainy day, before, it's, before it rains, do you have an umbrella? Before it rains, do you have an umbrella? No, you don't carry an umbrella every day. But when it rains, what happens? You bring out your umbrella. The Sahabas, when they needed Usul al-Fiqh to apply in an issue, they'll bring it out. Other than that, they didn't need to use it. It was something that was what? Something that was innately built inside them. Like in Al-Imam al-Shafi'iyu, what did he do? He saw that the people, he saw the people of his time, Islam was, mashallah, growing. The non-Muslims uh, who were coming into Islam was growing. The Futuhat, the conquest of the Islamic lands is growing. The Arabs and the non-Arabs were getting married based on the concept of Inna akramakum indallahi atqaakum. No one was looking at lineage or background. Sahabas were marrying foreigners, people from different lands who were non-Arabs. Wa ma'ila dalik. They were marrying each other. And the language, 
that was innate in the Sahabas and that was innate in the time of the Prophet and now was wearing out, it was dry, it was going. So the scholars realized, we need to document all of this. So grammar got documented. Are you with me? And we're going to speak about the story of the grammar when we come to Ajrumi, inshallah. Lakin usulul fiqh, al-imam al-shafi'i, at his time there were two big madhabs. There were two what? Two big, humongous madhabs. There were big madhabs. What was the first madhab? The madhab of Ahl al-Ra'i. The madhab of Ahl al-Ra'i. The people of Ahl al-Ra'i, their madhab was built upon, you know, at-tawassu'u fil qiyas. They would spread more into analogy and they would use what's, what we know, what we call qiyas, and we're going to come to it. Legal reasoning. And there were the people who called Ahlul Ahlu Hadithi. And these were the two forces in the Muslim world who were headbutting. And Imam al Shafi'i was honored to have taken knowledge from both parties. For he met Imam Muhammad ibn Hassan al Shaybani, the students of Imam Abu Hanifa, and he took knowledge from them. And he also took from the Ahlul Hadith. He took from Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala. So Shafi'i felt there was a way he could reconcile between these two madhabs. And there was a way he could bring them together. When he came to Iraq, he said, Wallahi, I promise that these two madhabs will sit under my feet and they would benefit, and they would take from me. Meaning I will unite them in one place. And he did do that. He united them and he brought them together. He showed the people of Hadith that not everything that Ahlul Ra'i are saying is wrong. Because they have matters that can be benefited from them. Istimbatat and how they extract the evidences. And he also got at the people of Ahlul Ra'i for dismissing a lot of the evidences and not looking for more of the evidences. Are we all together brothers? He brought them together. But when he brought them together brothers, he didn't bring them by any manual guide. He only physically brought them together. Okay? So then his teacher, Abdurrahman ibn Mahdi said, now that you've reconciled between the two biggest forces in the Muslim world, and you've brought them together, why don't you document something that could be read years to come? And that's when he authored his kitab, Al-Risala. He authored this kitab, Al-Risala, which was for a science which then was called what? Because pay attention brothers, Ahlul Hadithi, what were they using? They were what, using what? Al-Dalil. They were using what? Al-Dalil. And Ahlul Ra'i were using more of what? Qiyas and Tawassu' fil Qiyas. Are you with me brothers? Are we all together? Do you know what those two mean? Dalil and Madlul. The Dalil and the deduction of the Dalil. This is usul al-fiqh in its totality now. You have a delil in front of you. How do I bring a ruling out of it? How do I deduct a ruling out of it? That's all usul al-fiqh is. The relationship between those two. Walidhalika, when we studied mustalah al-hadith, what did we learn, brothers? Walidhalika, any discussion you're ever having with any Muslim or any individual, any debate, any whatever it may be, there are two things Ibn Taymiyyah said that a person needs. Nas musaddaq and bahth muhaqqaq. Nas musaddaq and what? Bahth muhaqqaq. Meaning, you need to know first of all if the evidence is what? If the evidence is authentic. We studied that which? Yesterday. What subject deals with that? Mustalah al-Hadith deals with whether the dalil is sahih. 
As the Arabs say, ثبت عرشك ثم انقش. First of all, you need to prove that your evidence is authentic. You need to know when is it mardud, when is it maqbul. We spoke about that in Mustalah al-Hadith. Then after we agree that the Hadith is sahih and it's authentic, we now need to agree on what? How do we extract it? This who deals with it? Usul al-fiqh. Are you with me, brothers? Usul al-fiqh deals with once the evidence is authentic. How am I going to deduct the ruling from it? What way am I going to take? Are you with me, brothers? Does that make sense? Now, pay attention, brothers, as a benefit. If you look at the madhahibs today, if you look at the madhahibs today, the concept that they have and the problems that you see that happen even in discussions of fiqh and whatnot is the issue of at-tawassu'i fil ma'ani or al-jumudu fil al-fad. These are the two points. This word, the hadith says, should we stick with it and not leave it? Are you with me, brothers? Or does the Prophet mean this wording and also more than that? Give an example. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa he said, alayhi salatu wasalam, the bikr, the virgin, the girl who's a virgin, what's her permission for marriage? Huh? Silence is her permission. If a woman who's a virgin, the way that she would consent to her father's request for marriage is that she's going to be silent because she's going to be... She's shy. Okay. The hadith says that the, the way that the bikr expresses her acceptance is what? Through silence. If I stick to the wording like that and I stick to the wording which is called jumudu fil laf then that means if she talks she hasn't given permission. Does that make sense? And the scholars, the people who did that excessively was the Zahiriya. Ibn Hazm al-Zahiri and Abu Dawood al-Zahiri. They had what was known as Jumudu fil-Lafdi. They were strict on the wording. Isn't that what the Prophet said? Khalas, leave it, leave it. Just leave it, that's what he said. But they didn't realize that this is what? The, no, no, you have to talk, talk. Meaning is also meant by it. It's not just the wording here. Are you with me, brothers? And then sometimes what you find is a group of people, they take the wording and what do they do? They make the wording, they do tawassu' in the wording. They make the wording more than what it is. For example, some, uh, that which the uh, Ibn Qudama mentions in his Kitab al-Muni, the one who said, libasan, You can pray at night with no clothing. In the pitch dark night you can pray. Because Allah said, layla. The dark is your, the darkness is your clothing. So you don't need clothes in the night. What did this person do? They did tawassu' fil ma'ana. They're taking the meaning too big now. Are you with me, brothers? So, there's another example I wanted to give, but it's a bit... Uh, the young kids here, because... Zayla'i mentions this in his kitab, Nasbur Raya, at the ending. Like, we'll leave that one. The point here is... If you look, look, if you look at books of fiqh, you find things like that. Some are being too staunch on the wording, and some are going overboard with the meaning. Are you with me, brothers? Usul al-fiqh is to make principles... Because the Qur'an and the Sunnah, as we're going to see later, is wording and meaning. Wording and just meaning. That's what it is, right? Qur'an is lafadhi, alfad, and it's meaning. And how is the relationship? When do I stick to the wording? And when do I give the meaning? And I, I apply the meaning? 
Are you with me, brothers? I'm trying to summarize, simplify for you the concept of what usulu, usulu al-fiqh is. So, Imam al-Shafi'i came, rahimahullah, and what did he author? He wrote the Kitab al-Risala. He wrote it twice. The one that we have is the, the late, the new one. The, the old one is not found. We have the new, it's called al-Risala Jadida, the new one that Shafi'i wrote, rahimahullah ta'ala. And in there he mentions the al-awamir, wal-nawahi, wal-bayanu, wal-nasq, wal-khabar. He speaks about those uh, chapters. He doesn't go on all of the issues of usul al-fiqh. He only mentions some of them. Then after him, Imam al-Shafi'i, the Hanafis came and they authored. They, the Hanaf did a lot of the Hanafi. What did they do? The Hanafis they wrote. From them is Al-Karhi. We mentioned him last time. He has a kitab in Qawaid al-Fiqh and Usul al-Fiqh together. It's called Usul al-Karhi. And Abu, Zab, uh, Abu Zayd al-Dabusi, rahimahullah, has a kitab called Ta'sis al-Nadar. Has a kitab. Abu Zayd al-Dabusi has a kitab called Ta'sis al-Nadar and Taqwim al-Adillah. Now I want you to remember this. So I mentioned Shafi'i was the first to write the, uh, in this field, Usul al-Fiqh. And then after him came Al-Karqi, Abu Al-Hassan Al-Karqi. And he wrote a kitab called Usul Al-Karqiyu. And also Abu Zayd Al-Dabusi has a kitab called Ta'sis Al-Nadar. And another one called Taqwim Al-Adillah. After him came three individuals in this particular field whose books became the Umda. They became the most famous ones. Because a lot of people don't go to the Usul Al-Karqiyu or the Ta'sis Al-Nadar by Abu Zayd Al-Dabusi or the Taqwim Al-Adillah. They don't go to it. But these three are what are what became famous after that. The first one is Al-Burhan. Burhan is written by the author of this book that we're studying. Abi Ma'ali Al-Juwayni, Rahimahullah, the author of this book, Abi Ma'ali Al-Juwayni, he wrote another kitab called Al-Burhan, which is a bigger version of this book. It's in the same field, Usul Al-Fiqh. Walidhalika, this book, there are things that he missed out, things that he was a bit lenient in the definition, but he corrects himself in the Kitab Al-Burhan. The reason why he does that is because, the reason why he does that because this book is for the beginners. So there's no reason to make it too hard and too complicated. So he's a bit lenient in the definitions here. But the Kitab Al-Burhan, he goes into more details. Second book is Al-Mustasfa by Abi Hamid Al-Ghazali. The th- second Kitab in Usul Al-Fiqh is what? Al-Mustasfa by who? Muhammad ibn Muhammad ibn Muhammad Al-Ghazaliyu whose kunya is Abu Hamid he wrote a kitab called Al-Mustasfa the Mustasfa is the one in there there is Ilmul Kalam philosophy and Usul Al-Fiqh lakin Ibn Qudama Al-Maqdisi came and what did he do? he took and he got rid of the Ilmul Kalam that was in there and he took the the, 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 the Mabahith Al-Usuliyya that Abi Hamid al-Ghazali mentioned, and he called his kitab Rawdatul Nadir wa Jannatul Munadir. The Rawdatul Nadir wa Jannatul Munadir is Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi. Are you with me, brothers? The author of the kitab, Lum'atul Atiqat. What he did was, he read the Mustasfa by Abi Hamid al-Ghazali and the Mabahith al-Mantiqiyah that is in there. The Mabahith al-Mantiqiyah that is in there, he got rid of it. And he left the Usul al-Fiqh that was in the book. And the third book is 
Al-Mu'tamad. The Kitab Al-Mu'tamad, it's written by Abu Hussein Al-Basri. Abu Hussein Al-Basri. Abu Hussein Al-Basri is a Mu'tazili. So we have two Ash'aris. Who are the two Ash'ari? Abu Hamid Al-Ghazali and Abu Ma'ali Al-Juwayni. Abi Ma'ali Al-Juwayni is the, is the what? Abi Ma'ali Al-Juwayni and who? Is the teacher. Abi Ma'ali Al-Juwayni is the teacher of who? Abu Hamid Al-Ghazali. So the author of Al-Waraqat is the teacher of Ghazali. He's the what? He's the teacher of Ghazali. ولذلك Ghazali summarized the kitab of Abu Hamid Al-Ghazali Nihayatul Matlab fi Dirayatul Madhab. He summarized in the kitab Al-Basit and then Al-Wasit and then Al-Wajiz and then the Khulasa and then from the Wajiz came the kitab Minhaj uh, sorry the Muharrar of Abu Qasim Al-Rafi'i and then the Minhaj Kutub Al-Shafi'iyah Are you brothers? And the Fatul Aziz by uh, Abu Qasim Al-Rafi'i came from it came from the Al-Wajiz by Abu Hamid Al-Ghazali So he summarized the book of his teacher Abu Ma'ali al in how many books? In three, the 30, 40, nearly 40 volumes, 35 volumes, something. He summarized it in Al-Basir, and then Al-Wasir, uh, and then the Al-Wajiz, and then the Khulasa, and then from the Wajiz came the what? The Muharrar, Abu Qasim Al-Rafi'i, uh, uh, and then from the Al-Muharrar, the Minhaj of Imam Al-Shafi'i, and Imam Al-Nawi came from there. So I mentioned three books in Usul Al-Fiqh. How many books? Al-Burhan written by who? Abu Ma'ali al-Juwayni. The second one is what? Al-Mustasfa written by who? Abu Hamid al-Ghazali. The third one is written by Al-Mu'tamad and it's written by Abu Hussein al-Basri who is a Mu'tazili. These three books were summarized by two individuals. Two individuals. The first one is Fakhruddin al-Raziyu. Fakhruddin al-Raziyu in his kitab Al-Mahsul. He has a kitab called Al-Mahsul. He summarized these three books. In his kitab al-Mahsul, Fakhruddin al-Raziyu, he did that. The second person is Sayfuddin al-Amidi. Sayfuddin, Sayfuddin al-Amidi, his kitab al-Ihkam is a khulasa of what? It's a summary of what? The three books that I mentioned. Al-Burhan, Al-Mustasfa, and Al-Mu'tamad. Now we've taken, which one? Fakhruddin Razi's kitab is called Al-Mahsul. It's important that you know these books. It's important that you know these books. Because as we're going to see later when we tackle the kitab Al-Waraqat, there are going to be mabahith, mantiqiyya, philosophical arguments, issues to do with Ash'ari propagation. Are you with me, brothers? That we're going to have to clear out the book. Are you with me, brothers? And these books... Reasons why we study them is We saw scholars like Sheikh Abdul Aziz Mubaz and other ulama teaching them. Are you with me? التاليف في أصول الفقه. How do you write? How, how, how are the books of أصول الفقه written? Write this down. It's very important for you. How are the books of أصول الفقه written? How are the books of أصول الفقه written in five ways? Usul al-fiqh is written in five ways. Number one, tariqatul hanafiyya, the Hanafi way. The Hanafi way. The first way that Usul al-fiqh is written in the books that I mentioned and many other books I didn't mention, they're written in one of five ways. Number one, it's what? 
Tariqatul Hanafiyya, the way that the Hanafis wrote it. Tariqatul Hanafiyya it basically is they bring the kalam of the Imam, Imam Abu Hanifa and the Imam of the Madhabs. And from there they bring Qawaid. Are you with me, brothers? What do they do? The Furu'ul Fiqiyya. They bring all of the fiqh issues together in this issue and they bring a qa'idah for it. Are you with me, brothers? That's the tariqatul hanafiya. Where did they bring the qawaid al usuliya from? Amma usul al fiqh, where did they bring it from? The statements of the fuqaha al hanafiya. First of all, an Imam Abu Hanifa statements. They bring qawaid and principles from there. Their book has a benefit. The books of the Hanafi, Tariqatul Hanafi has a benefit. And it's one thing it's very good than the other parts that we're going to see later, which is they have um, they give more examples. They benefit more examples from the Tariqatul Hanafiya and they don't focus too much on the concept of tasil, all just principles, principles. Like in the other, uh, other Turuq, you see in them, they just give you more principles, less examples. And a student in Usul al-Fiqh, what does he need? A lot. He needs a lot of examples to understand the principle. ولذلك, if you look at Tariqatul Hanafiya, they write the Qa'idah and they give examples for it. So it's actually easier to study Usul al-Fiqh ala Tariqatul Hanafiya in a Hanafi way. Are you with me? It's easier for a beginner student of knowledge. The second one is called Tariqatul Jumhur. What is it called? Tariqatul Al-Jumhur. Jumhur. The reason why it's called Jumhur is because the other three Imams are on this side. And the other three Madhabs are on this side. The Shafi'iyah, the Malikiyah, and the, the Malikiyah, and the Shafi'iyah, and the Hanabila. This one, uh, this Madhab, is where a lot of the times you're going to see Mabahith Mantiqiyah, philosophical arguments. Tariqatul Jumhur, you find that in them. Okay? The, Remember when we said we're talking about the madhab of Al-Imam Shafi'i, the madhab of Al-Imam Malik, the madhab of Al-Imam Ahmed. We're not talking about the Imam himself. We're talking about the people who follow the madhab. The way that they authored those books is they use istidlalat aqliya, logical and rational arguments. There's a lot in there. Also, the kutub al-jumhur, you learn from it you learn how to debate debating tactics they give a lot to that the ways to debate they emerged with debating tactics and from the books are the books written by Ibn Hajib Ibn Hajib's works are very common with that Abu Walid al-Bajiz al-Ihkam Fakhruddin al-Razi's Mahsul Lumah by Ishaq al-Shirazi all of these books they're tariqatul al-Jumhur as for the Fusul, Fil Usul by Abu Bakr al Jassas, it goes to the Tariqatu al Hanafiya. That's Tariqatu al Hanafiya. The third Tariqa, the third way, is Al Jam'u Bayna Tariqataini. It's bringing the two paths that were mentioned together. Tariqatu al Jumhur and the Tariqatu what? Al Hanafiya, bringing them together, emerging them. And this is what uh, Subki did. Subki, in his kitab, Jam'ul Jawami'ah. Kitabu, Jam'ul Jawami'ah. He combined between Tariqatu Ash, 
طريقة الحنفية and طريقة الجمهور he amalgamated them too he put them together he made it into what? into one ولذلك this كتاب جمع الجوامع you know what they said it's a compilation and he himself says it it's a compilation of a hundred books of usul al-fiqh it's a this kitab jam' al-jawami' it gathered in it a hundred what? books of usul al-fiqh walidhalika Sukhi said something he said this kitab jam' al-jawami' every letter under it is a pearl under every letter I wrote in this book under it is a pearl meaning no one can summarize my book every word I wrote there is summarizing something so, Zakaria al-Ansari, he came and he said, oh, I can summarize it. I'll summarize it. I'll show you I can summarize it without getting rid of what you said. But I'll still summarize it. And he summarized it in a kitab called Lubbul Usul. He summarized it in a kitab called what? Lubbul Usul. He summarized it in there, which he then explained called Ghayatul Usul. The Lubbul Usul, the scholars, they said he missed a lot of things. He didn't fulfill the what? The promise that he made. Like in this kitab, Jam'ul Jawami', the majority of the books that came after that Usul al-Fiqh, a lot of them they follow this book. Like for example, Maraq al-Su'ud, Limubtaghir Ruqi wa Su'ud, by written by Abdullah ibn Hajj al-Shanqiti, which um, it's in a thousand lines of Usul al-Fiqh, it's a poetry of the kitab Jam'ul Jawami'. Kawkab al-Sati' by Jalaluddin al-Suyuti, which is 1,500 baits. It's also a, it's a poetry of the Jam'ul Jawami' by Subki. Did that confuse you guys? No. Stay with me. Then we have the fourth way of Usul al-Fiqh being written. The fourth way. The fourth way is تخريج الفروعي على الأصولي تخريج الفروعي على الأصولي This one is it, it runs you through the process of how the usul and the and the usul al-fiqh and the fiqh how they work together it's a practical way of seeing how the fiqh and usul al-fiqh are working together this fourth path what does it do it teaches you the way that they're working together and the conclusion is being derived and it's, and it's happening you see the process between the two of them the books that are written in here is takhrij al-furu'i ala al-usuli by zanjani Al-Isnawi has it. Tal-Misaniyu al-Malikiyu has it. It's called Miftahu al-Wusul ila binai al-Furu'i ala al-Usuli. Qawaid wa al-Fawaid al-Jaliyya ama al-Usuliya ibn al-Laham. All of these books are the fourth methodology. The last one is the last one is Tariqatu al-Maqasid. What is it? Tariqatu al-Maqasid. طريقة المقاصد is looking at the قواعد الفقه sorry أصول الفقه as a as a مقاصد الشريعة looking at it as a what Islam as you know brothers it came to fulfill things and it came to get rid of things it has objectives does the شريعة not have objectives it has objectives so what happens is this scholar what he's going to do is he's going to base أصول الفقه on the objectives of the شريعة Okay, so he's going to base it on the what? On the objectives of the Sharia. And the scholar that did that is Al-Imam Al-Shatibi, Abu Ishaq Al-Shatibi, not Abu Al-Qasim Al-Shatibi. Abu Al-Qasim Al-Shatibi is the one who wrote 
حرز الأماني ووجه التهاني في القراءات السبعة. Are you with me? He wrote the kitab متن الشاطبية in قراءات. No, no, that's Abu القاس, that's Abu القاس الشاطبي. We're talking about Abu إسحاق الشاطبي. Between them is a hundred years, تقريبا. Hundred years. Abu إسحاق الشاطبي, who's the younger one, he has written a kitab called الموافقات. He wrote a kitab called الموافقات. And it's written based on the what? It's based on which methodology? Tariqatul Maqasid. It is based upon the Maqasid way. Are you with me, brothers? Now I'm going to conclude with the last point. How long do I have? Ten minutes. Good, alhamdulillah. Now I'm going to conclude before the salah, like we did for the Mustalah al Hadith, the Nukbatul Fikr. What did we do? I gave you an outline, an overview of how it is, right? I'm now going to give you an overview and an outline of what Usulul Fiqh tackles. What does it deal with? What is it that we study? What are the chapters that we're going to study inside the Usulul Fiqh in this Kitab Al Waraqat, inshaAllah Ta'ala? And then after the Salah, we're going to, bi'idhnillahi al Kareem, start the Kitab. Usulul Fiqh deals with five things. Are you with me? What does it deal with? It deals with. It tackles five things. The mawdu' mawdu'at ilm usul al-fiqh is five things. Are you with me, brothers? The first one is a muqaddimah, an introduction. What is it, brothers? It's a... The first chapter is always an introduction. You're going to see in the book, he's going to give us a muqaddimah, an introduction. And that introduction, you learn three things. In that introduction, how many things are you going to learn? In the introduction, the muqaddimah, you're going to learn how many things? Three things. You're going to, you're going to learn al-hakim, the legislator. Who's the legislator? Who legislates? Al-hakim, who's the legislator? Huh? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two is al-mahkumi alayhi. Al-mahkumi alayhi, who's the one that legislation is being placed on? Who's being legislated on? And it's who? Who is the hukm, who's mahkum alayhi? Is that? It's the individual who is a Muslim mukallaf. The issue of Muslim, we're going to come to that. Is it agreed upon or not? Let's just use one. It's the one mukallaf. What does the mukallaf mean? A person who has two characteristics. Aqilun, barigun. He has sanity and he is what? And he's also reached age of puberty. That's the muhkum ali. As for the Muslim or not, we're gonna, we're gonna, or the mu'min, we're going to come into this discussion, inshallah. It's a khilaf, and we're going to mention which is the qawlul rajah. Are you with me? Halil kuffaru mukhatabuna fi furu'u shari'a. That's a long discussion. We're going to come to it in the, in the book. The third thing that we're going to study, inshallah, ta'ala, in the muqaddima is the hukm al-shari'i. So we, Allah is the legislator. The one who's been legislated upon is who? Us. Because we have what? Two characteristics. What are the two characteristics we have? Sanity and we reached age of puberty. The third thing that you're going to learn is hukm al-shari'i, the legislation itself. Are you with me? The legislation. The, the legislation itself. And the legislation is how many types, brothers? Two types. The legislation is what? Two types. We're going to go into it, inshaAllah ta'ala. The first one is called hukm al-taklifi. The first one is called hukm al-taklifi. Write this down because you're going to study it later what it means. And the second one is Hukmu Al-Wad'iyu. Hukmu 
Al-Wad'iyu. Those are the types of legislation. The first one is Hukmu Al-Taklifiyu. And the second one is what? Hukmu Al-Wad'iyu. This is the Muqaddimah. This is what we do in the introduction. In the books of Usul Fiqh, that's what you study in the introduction. Once you finish that and you understand, okay, then you go into four chapters, which are the main chapters of Usul Fiqh. So one is the introduction, and the other four are the main topics. The first one is Al-Adilla Al-Ahkam. What is an evidence? So you're going to study evidences. And the evidence is divided into how many? Two. The Adilla are divided into how many? Two. The Adilla are divided into? Two. The first one is Al-Adilla Al-Muttafaqi Aliha. Adilla, evidences which is unanimously agreed upon. Adilla Al-Muttafaqi Aliha. Because first of all, in Usul Fiqh, before we go into any discussion, we first of all have to agree, what do we consider evidence? So the scholars, when, when it was looked at, the Usuliyin and the scholars of Ilm, the Adilla was divided into two. Adilla that was unanimously agreed upon by everybody and there are four. How many are they? The evidences that are agreed upon. That, that can be considered an evidence. What are they? Al-Quran, Sunnah, Al-Ijma' and Al-Qiyasus Sahih. Add the word Sahih in there. Don't just say Al-Qiyas. Then it is Qiyas which is fast. So you say Al-Quran and then you say the Sunnah and then you say, and then you say Ijma' and then you say Al-Qiyasus Sahih. Each one we're going to take it, inshallah ta'ala, later. The author is going to bring all of that for us, inshallah. So the evidence is how many? Quran, Sunnah, Ijma'. And the fourth one is? Qiyas al-Sahih. Then we are left with the second one, which is Adilla Mukhtalafun Fiha. Evidences which are agreed upon, differed on. Evidences which are differed upon. Are they evidence or they're not? That's eight. Eight are differed upon. Can we see this as evidence or is it not evidence? The first one is Al-Maslahatul Mursala Al-Maslaha Al-Mursala Al-Maslaha Al-Mursala This one is different upon whether it's evidence or not. I already spoke about this in Qawaid al-Fiqir, true or false? Because remember I, I broke the Maslaha into three. I said there's a Maslaha which is called Maslaha Mu'tabara Maslaha which is Maslaha Mulgat And the third one I said is called Maslaha Mursala. What does Masaha Mursala mean? Something that's beneficial. It seemed to be a benefit. But the Sharia hasn't affirmed it nor condemned it. Can we use this as an evidence and say this is permissible? I mean, this is, can we use that as evidence? It's different upon. Are you with me, brothers? The second, third one is Al-Urfu. Customs. Can Urf be made into an evidence? Can custom be used? It's different, it's different upon. It's not from the evidence that I agreed upon. Are you with me, brothers? Custom and the, the third one is al-istihsan. Al-istihsan. Something to be seen good. Some of the scholars, like Imam Shafi'i, he believed that istihsan is what? He said, Man istihsana faqad Anyone who does istihsan has legislated. The fourth one is al-istishab. Al-istishab. Istishab means what? Using the default position. Remember when we said Al-Asru fi miyahin al-Tahara? When we took in Qawaid al-Fiqiyah, the asal of water is what? So you're using asal as evidence. You're not using any evidence here right now. What are you saying? 
You're using istishab. Biqa' ma kana ala ala ma kana. You're using istishab. Is this can be can this be used in a? Can you say the asal is that I'm innocent and proven otherwise? Is that it? Can you use istishab like that? Is that an evidence? Or do you need Quran and Sunnah? Ijma' It's different upon whether it's allowed or not. Okay. When I say it's different upon, I'm not saying that it can't be used or not, but it's a different upon. The one after that is Shar'un man qablana, the legislation of those who came before us. Which one are we referring to? Like, I can only say that. Remember, we broke the Shar'un man qablana, the legislation of those who came before us into how many types? Three. The one our Sharia discredited it. Of course, we don't take that. The second is that which our Sharia affirmed. Of course, we take that. The third one is what? That which our Sharia is silent about. That's the one the scholars differ upon. It's in their legislation. It doesn't go against our religion. Nor does our religion affirm it. What do we do here? Can we use this as an evidence? The usulin differ whether they can use it as evidence. The next one is Saddu al-Dharai'ah. Saddu al-Dharai'ah. Saddu al-Dharai'ah means this thing is not allowed. Why? Because it's going to lead to something haram. Are you with me? One minute. The next one is Amalu Ahlil Medina. The view that Imam Malik took. He believed that the people of Medina, they, whatever they do is the evidence because this is what the Prophet died upon. Are you with me? He believed that Amalu Ahlil Medina, the action of the people of Medina is the evidence. And last but not least, Qawlu Sahabiyu, the statement of a companion. We're not talking about the, the consent of the companions. We're talking about one companion statement. Is it a proof? Are you with me, brothers? We're gonna, we, we, after the salah, we're going to read, inshallah ta'ala, the next three chapters, which, which Usul al-Fiqh deals with, inshallah, inshallah ta'ala. So before we stopped at the Adillatul Ahkam we spoke about, the evidences for our jurisprudent rulings, we're now going to go into the third chapter in which Usul al-Fiqh deals with. It's called Dalalatul Al-Fad. Dalalatul Al-Fad. Dalalatul Al-Fad is the indication of words. What words indicate? Dalalatul Al-Fad is the second. The third chapter is Dalalatul Al-Fad. What did I say? Second, I mean the third. The reason why I said second is because I'm not counting the, the Muqaddimah. It's actually two chapters if you don't include the Muqaddimah. But if you count the Muqaddimah, then it's three chapters. Dalalatul Al-Fad means in the indication that the word gives you. This word, what does it indicate to you? And pay attention to this. This is the core essence of Usul al-Fiqh. Usul al-Fiqh, the gist of it, the core, the backbone of Usul al-Fiqh is this chapter which is Dalalatul Al-Fad, the third chapter. The indication of the words. What the words indicate. This is broken into how many? Three. It is broken into two. Dalalatul Al-Fad is three types. The first one is بِعْتِبَارِ نَوْعِ التَّكْلِيفِ بِعْتِبَارِ نَوْعِ التَّكْلِيفِ in terms of the taklif, 
We already mentioned what mukallaf means, right? What is a mukallaf? Baligh aqil. A person who is who reached age of puberty and has sanity. So here it is looking at the type of taklif. What, what type is it? That's the first categorization. And this is two. A. Al-amru. And the second one is al-nahyu. Prohibition. Al-amru. Which is A. And B. Which is al-nahyu. Bi'atibari naw'i taklif So what type of taklif is this one? Command. Al-amru is command. Al-nahyu is what? Prohibition. The second type of categorization of Dalalatul Al-Fad is بِعْتِبَارِ الْمَحْكُومِ بِهِ Looking at Looking at the way that the, uh, the ruling was passed The form and the way in which the ruling was passed And this is for or you can say two if you wish to. And if you want to make it longer, you can make it four. You can make it two by saying al am wal khas are together. Al ammu al ammu wal khas. You can make it together. Or if you want, you can separate and make it two. And the second one is al mutlaq wal muqayyad. Al mutlaq wal muqayyad. What does Al-Am Al-Khas mean? General, specific. Mutlaq means what? Unrestricted. And Muqayyad means restricted. Are you with me, brothers? Mutlaq means unrestricted. Unrestricted. And Muqayyad means restricted. All of this we're going to take. The book is going to mention. We're going to go in details. We're going to give examples of what that means. How is it and what is it? We've now finished بِعْتِبَارِ الْمَحْكُومِ مَحْكُومِ بِهِ We're now going to go into the third type of دَلَالَةُ الْأَلْفَاضِ Which is what? بِعْتِبَارِ وُضُوحِ الْدِلَالَةِ بِعْتِبَارِ وُضُوحِ الْدِلَالَةِ أَمَا وُضُوحُ الْدَلَالَةِ The clarity of the wording So we're now categorizing it in terms of its clarity Is it clear? Or is it a bit ambiguous? The clarity. And this is four types. Okay? Four types. Al-Nassu wa-Dahir together. Al-Nassu wa-Dahir. If you want, you can make it into two. And if you want, you can stick it together. I made it together. If you want, you can separate it and make it eight if you want to. But it's a nasu wa dahir together. Write it like that because we're going to go through each one. I'll give, you have the translation in the al-waraqat and I'll give you definition of the ulama and what they said about it. And examples of the Quran for each one, inshaAllah ta'ala. A nasu wa dahiru. The second one is al-mujmal al-mujmal wal-mubayyan. Al-mujmal المجمل والمبين. and the third one is المنطوق 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 and المفهوم 
Al-Mantuq and Al-Mafhum. Al-Mantuq and Al-Mafhum. Al-Mafhum, Mafhum. The last one is Al-Haqiqah Wal-Majaz. Al-Haqiqah Wal-Majaz. All of those four that I mentioned is all about this text. Is it clear or is it not clear? All that these four talk about is the dhuhur of the text. How apparent is it? Is it easy to catch? Is it indirect? Is it sublimatory? Is it figurative speech? Is it metaphorical? Are you with me? Bi'atibari? It's bi'atibari wuduh dilala. This, as I said to you, is the real core essence of usul al that's really usul. There you are. This is usul al-fiqh. This text is general. This is specific. This is restricted. This is unrestricted. When they come together, how do you deal with it? How do you discuss? This is the real part of usul al-fiqh. The third chapter, the fourth chapter, let's just make it, let's say fourth chapter, is at-ta'arud wa tarjih At-ta'arud the fourth chapter is At-Ta'arud Wa-Tarjih Reconciling between the textual evidences Reconciliation Between The textual evidences And here it's Three ways At-Ta'arud Wa-Tarjih How to reconcile Or how to Prioritize the correct view of the two. I mean, the, which, which text is correct? Ta'arud means they are opposing one another. How do you bring them together? Or how do you choose one over the other? How? You can't, there's, a reason, there's a way to do it. Are you with me, brothers? Well, this is the chapter that Ibn Hajar mentioned, Hafid Ibn Hajar mentioned in what? Mustalah and in his Nukhbatul Fikr. This is the chapter Sul Fiqh deals with. We'll see that inshallah ta'ala. And this is three types. This is how many types? Three types. The first one is ta'arud. Making sure that there is a opposition. Point number one is ta'arud. Is there actually a difference? Are these texts actually going against each other? ta'arud. Verifying whether there is an opposition between the text. Number two is the steps of reconciling between the texts. In this chapter, what do you learn? So the first one is making sure there is a, the texts are actually going against each other. The second one is if they are how to reconcile it. The steps to reconcile it. The method to reconcile it. The third one is The method and steps to prioritize I mean, to choose one over the other. We couldn't bring it together. We tried to take the steps to bring it together. We're going to now move on to the second, third one which is what? The steps that we're going to take in disregarding one of the text and giving precedence to the other, to the other one. Does that make sense? That chapter of At-Ta'arud al-Tarjuh, those three things is what you're going to discuss. Last 
but not least. Last but not least, the last chapter is you learn Al-Ijtihad Wa-Taqlid. You learn Al-Ijtihad. The last chapter, what do you learn? Al-Ijtihad Wa-Taqlid. Ijtihad means independent reasoning. The person can go to the text themselves and they can look at it themselves. Are you brothers? And taqlid is what? Blind follower. Here you're going to study three things. Here what are you going to study? Three things. Number one, you're going to study ahkamul ijtihad. The rulings regarding ijtihad. Rulings. Ahkam al-ijtihad. Are you with me brothers? Second is ahkamu al-ittiba' the, re- the rulings of following Okay Ijtihad, what does it mean brothers? It means when the person can go to the text themselves And the person can go to the They can go to the text The Quran and the Sunnah Themselves, read it And deduct From the Quran and the Sunnah what? A ruler A ruling They can extract a ruling out of the Quran and the Sunnah and bring a jurisprudent rulings. The second one is ittiba'. What is the second one is ahkamul ittiba'. Ittiba' is a person he can't go to the text himself. But what does he do? He watches the scholars what they have said. He looks at the ulama. What did Imam Shafi'i say in this issue? What did Imam Ahmed say? What did Imam Abu Hanifa say? What did Imam Malik say? And what was their delil? What was the delil of Imam Malik? What was the delil of Imam Shafi'i? What was the delil of Imam Ahmed? When he looks at their evidences, he cross-checks them, he chooses one from the other. Are we all together, brothers? Are we all together, brothers? This person is a mutabi'ah, he's following the evidences. But he can't do it himself. He can't go to the text himself. He needs these ulama to bring it out and then he's able to choose from which of those who he thinks is right based on what? Based on the usul al-fiqh he studied. He knows dalalatul al-fab. He sees that Imam Ahmed is taking a general evidence and Imam Ahmed and Imam Shafi'i is taking a, a specific evidence and the specific takes precedence over the what? So he's doing, he knows that. He studied that in usul al-fiqh. Are you with me brothers? The third one is called ahkam al-taqlid. Ahkam al-taqlid is a blind follower. He just takes the statement of one sheikh. He doesn't know what the evidence is, how the scholar reached that conclusion. He just takes it. Are we all together, brothers? Taqlid. Dal. Taqlid. Ahkamu taqlid. Taqlid is what? Yeah, he just blind follows. He's, he's been. The scholars, they, they call the blind uh, taqlid. They call him. They say that the muqallid is a mayyitin inda mughassilin. It's like a dead body and being washed. When you're dead and you're being washed, what's happening to you? They're going to lift your hand up. You have no choice. Are you with me, brothers? That's the muqallid. He doesn't have anything. Well, sometimes you find a person who's a muqallid. What is he? He will even say to you, I'm a muqallid. And then what does he do? He forces the opinion on you that he holds. But you don't even know how your shaykh got to the conclusion. Are you with me, brothers? A muqallid cannot talk to anyone about the ruling that he has taken. He's, he's honest. He's in a state of necessity. Taqlid is what? 
It's like when you're about to die, you're allowed to eat dead corpse. Taqlid is like that. You're eating a what? A dead. If you're eating a dead corpse, and I have a nice zinga meal from KFC, huh? Do I have to eat the dead corpse that you're eating? No. You're in a state of necessity. I am not. Meaning the person who has ittiba is a higher level. He doesn't have to go step down to do taqlid with you. Are you with me? وَلِذَلِكَ دَمُقَلِّدْ إِبْنُ عَبْدِ الْبَرْ In his kitab, Jami'u Bayan al-Ilmi wa Fadli, he brings ijma'u ahli al-ilm. That the muqallid is not considered to be people or person of knowledge. Ijma'u. It's a consent. That a muqallid is, is, is considered as an ignorant person. So if anybody says to you, I'm a muqallid, then they are admitting بِإِجْمَعِ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ that they are what? And aqlan, that doesn't happen anywhere in the world. Nowhere in the world will somebody walk around and say, I am jahil, I am jahil. What's that? But the person who is a muqallid is admitting that. He's what? This is what we're going to study, inshallah ta'ala, in this book and in any other book of usul al-fiqh that you study, mainly these are the chapters that you're going to study. Okay, brothers? Does that make sense? Um, there are things that you're not going to see in this book that I mentioned for you. Are you with me, brothers? A bit more than what he mentioned. But generally speaking, these are the these are the chapters that you will study and the mawdu'at that you will tackle in in usul al-fiqh. الحقيقة أن المجاز. The حقيقة أن المجاز falls under the chapter we mentioned, which is باعتبار وضوح الدلالة. How clear the evidence is. Yes, it's the whole bab. That's all a chapter, right? The three types we mentioned, right? Even falls under. Hey, let's start the book إن شاء الله تعالى. الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين وبعد فهذه ورقات تشتمل على معرفة فصول من أصول الفقه وهو مؤلف من جزئين مفردين أحدهما الأصول والآخر الفقه فالأصل ما ينبني عليه غيره والفرع ما ينبني على غيره والفقه معرفة الأحكام الشرعية التي طريقها الاجتهاد. The author رحمه الله تعالى he started his kitab with number one the basmala and all of the copies don't have that some of the copies the basmala is not in there but the one we have it has the basmala so he started his book with the the basmala so he said بسم الله ثم بالحمد لله and then after that he done that Alhamdulillah, he said, Alhamdulillah, Rabbi, Al-Alamina. Thumma thalata, and then the third thing that he mentioned is, As-salatu ala Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. And what is that? Salah, we take the view of who? Abu Aliyat al-Rayahi. Bukhari narrated in his sahih, Mu'allakan, bisigat al-jazmi. That the word salah, what does it mean? Thana'ullahi fi mala'i al-a'la. Allah praises the messenger where? High above. Allah praises the messenger in the gathering of the angels. Allah is praising him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Walidhalika the scholars who defined or translated or explained salah to mean rahmah are wrong. 
they're wrong. That the word salah doesn't mean rahmah. Some scholars do say that. And that is wrong. Because two ways. Number one, Allah says in the Quran, Ulaika alayhim salawatum min rabbihim wa rahmah. Salawatum min rabbihim wa rahmah. And Allah distinguishes between salah and wahiya. Qa'id according to the scholars is Walwaw fi aslin lughati taqtadi mughayara. The wow in the original usage of the Arabic language, it shows that these two things are separate. These two things are different. Allah said, Ulaika alayhim salawatum min rabib wa rahmah. Salawat rahmah. They're two different things then. Are we all together? Second evidence is Bukhari rahimahullah used the kalam of an imam min a'immati salaf. Abu Ali is a student of Abdullah ibn Abbas and Abdullah ibn Umar. Are you with me, brothers? And no one from the Salaf differed with him on this issue. When he brought this statement, Ulaika alayhim salawatun min rabbihim, the words, Inna Allahu malaikata yusalluna ala al-nabi, Ya ayyu al-ladhina amunu, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. The word salah, Abu Aliya said, Tana'ullahi, Allah praising the messenger high above, no one differed with him on this. Are we all together? So the word salah, if someone asks you, asks you, what does it mean, what do you say it means? For the Prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah is praising him high. Allah is praising him high above. He has these three. Which three brothers? Al-Basmalah, Wal-Hamdalah, Wal-Salatu ala Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, Wa-Alihi wa-Ashabihi. These three is called Adabu Tasnif. The manners and the etiquette of authorship. It's called what? The etiquettes of authorship. If you want to author, these are the etiquettes you need, to, you need to follow by consent of the scholars. After the author mentioned this, he said, وَبَعْدُ to proceed. He didn't say, أَمَّا بَعْدُ What did he say? The wow here has taken the place of what? Amma. And amma has taken the place of what? مَهْمَا يَكُنْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ So they call this بَدَلُ بَدَلُ the wow here has taken the place of Amma. And Amma took the place of Mahma Yakun Min Shayin. That's the Arabic language. Don't confuse yourself too much. This is only for the recording. Wabadu to proceed. What do the Arabs use the word Wabadu for? Intiqal min uslubin ila akhara. They used Wabadu to move from one type of speech. To another type of speech. He said, وَبَعْدُ to proceed. فَهَذِهِ this وَرَقَاتٌ It's pages. What did he do? He called it what? وَرَقَات He used here. وَرَقَات Little pages. Why is he doing that? He's doing that. تَرْغِيبًا فِي تَلَقِّيهِ He wants you to be... Uh, it's just only a couple of pages. Huh? Okay, let me read it. He wants you to get energized that this book is not something big. It's only little pages. Something very small. And this is the islub and the manners of the scholars, which is that they make students love a science by making it easy. And it goes against the way of the scholars to make matters hard on the people. وَلِذَلِكَ الْإِمَامُ Bukhari, what did he say? He said, الْعَالِمُ الرَّبَّانِ هُوَ الَّذِي يُرَبِّ النَّاسَ بِسِغَارِ الْعِلْمِ قَبْلَ كِبَارِهِ The true scholar is the one who, who nurtures the people Upon the simple and easy knowledge before he talks to them about the complicated issues. That's the true scholar. He starts with what is important. 
what is vital, what is needed, what that person can take home and apply straight away in their life. Not something they're going to need 10 years from now. So this is, what is it? Warakat. So don't deal with this book as though it's a what? It's the last book in Usulul Fiqh. It's not, it's actually the first one. It's the first one. What does it consist of? Tashtamilu, it consists of ala ma'rifati fusulin min usulul fiqh. So, the word min here in the Arabic language is litab'id. Meaning, this book doesn't contain in it all of the usul fiqh chapters. So, only going to mention some. There are only going to be some chapters of usulul fiqh in here. Some of, some of it will not be found in here. The author then goes into speaking about usulul fiqh and defining it in two ways. And the poet he said, وَالْمُفْرَدُ الْمُضَافُ إِنْ تَرَكَبَ مَعْ غَيْرِهِ حَتَاءَةً مَلَقَبَ فَحَدُّهُ يَكُونُ بِالْإِفْرَادِ لِكُلِّ وَاحِدٍ لَدَى النُّقَادِ ثُمَّ يُعَادُ ثَانِيًا مُرَكَّبًا إِذْ لَقَبًا لَدَيْهِمُ تَرَكَبًا The word usulul fiqh, we're going to define it in two ways. How is it? بِاعْتِبَارِ مُفْرَدَيْهِ and بِاعْتِبَارِ تَرْكِيبِهِ We're going to define usul and then we're going to define fiqh. Does everyone understand that? So two ways of defining usulul fiqh. The first one is usul and then fiqh. And then what are we going to do again? We're going to bring it together. Because it's a compounded word. Are you with me? Does everyone understand that? So what does usul mean in the Arabic language? He says to you, أَحَدُهُمَ الْأُصُولُ وَالْآخَرُ الْفِقْهُ فَالْأَصْلُ What does the word asal mean? مَا يَنْبَنِي عَلَيْهِ غَيْرُهُ what does it mean? Mayambani alay ghayru. In the Arabic language, the word asal, usul is plural, and the singular is what? Asal. Asal means the foundation. It's what everything is built upon. Asal means what? What everything is built upon. Allah says in the Quran, Alam tara kayfa daraballahu matalan kalimatan tayyibatan kashajaratin tayyibatin asluha tabitun wa far'uha fissama. So the, the foundation is what? It's the what? Asal. So that's what it means. Wal-aslu asal is ma yambani alayhi ghayruhu. Everything else is built upon the asal. Are you with me brothers? And the asal is two types. That which is hissy, tangible. You can see the, the foundation. And that which is not tangible. You can't see it. It's ma'nawi. Like your belief. Your belief is not something anyone can touch. The asal of iman is ma'nawi. Sahih? Are you with me? I'm like, you are the asal, your father is your asal. That's tangible. Are you with me, brothers? So it's tangible or that which is not tangible. We now understand what asal means. What does asal mean? What does asal mean in the istilahan? Uh, what does it technically mean? Logatan, he mentioned here. Ma yambani alayhi. Ma yambani alayhi ghayru. In the, in the, according to the istilahu of the scholars, the word asal means many meanings. One of the meanings that it means is a dalil, evidence. The word asal, this is the technical meaning, not the linguistic meaning. He only gave you the linguistic meaning. We're now going to go into the technical definition of the word what? Asal. What's the technical definition? A dalil. They sometimes use the word asal as dalil. For example, they will say, Aslu wujubu siyami qawluhu ta'ala. 
أصل وجوب الصيام أي الدليل في وجوب الصيام. Does that make sense? أصل the أصل that fasting is obligatory. What do they mean here? أصل the evidence that fasting is واجب is قوله تعالى the statement of Allah يا الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون. The second one is القاعدة المستمرة. The continuous principle. The word asal sometimes is used as al-qa'idatul mustamirra. The continuous, the continuous principle. For example, you will say ibah ibahatul maita, ibahatu al-maita lil-mudarri mukhaatis ala khilaf al-asli. Ibahatul maita, the permitting of dead corpses. It's in opposition to the asal. What does it mean? It's opposition to the asal. I mean, it goes against the continuous principle which was that the dead corpse is haram. It goes against that qa'ida, that qa'ida which is aklul maytati haram. Eating corpse is haram. It's going against that. So the third, the second meaning in which asal is used as is a al-qa'ida al-mustamira. The third one is used as is al-maqisu alayhi. Al-maqisu alayhi. Later when we go to the chapter of Al-Qiyas Qiyas means analogy Okay Qiyas means what? Analogy When we come to Qiyas later We're going to realize Qiyas stands on how many pillars? How many pillars does Qiyas stand on? In order for you to do a correct Qiyas There's four pillars that have to be there Are you with me brothers? Al-Maqisu alayhi is what I said here When we go to the chapter of Qiyas we're going to see this inshallah ta'ala. How many pillars does Qiyas stand on? It stands on four pillars. What is the four pillars? The first one is Al-Asl. Asl means what? Khamar is it haram? Is Khamar haram? Okay. Khamar is the Asl because the Prophet stated it's haram. We have it. This is the Asl. Then we have drugs. That came out after the Prophet's time. This is called the Farah. Are you with me, brothers? Why was the Khamar made haram? Ah, uh, so the intoxication is the third thing now, which is called the illa, the reasoning of why the Khamar was made haram. We know it, alhamdulillah. Okay, good. Hayye, what was the ruling of the Khamar? Haram. So, fourth pillar. Are you with me, brothers? So now that the reason why khamar was made haram was intoxication, so it became haram, I will give the same ruling for what? The drugs, correct? This is a what? Farah, and this is a what? Which one did you do the analogy from? Al-Maqisu alayhi. This is the asal. So they call the Maqisu alayhi the what? They call it asal. Does that make sense? Some of you look tired. The book has just started. We just started. We just in the muqaddimah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. The fourth one is the hukum. So it's al-aslu, farah, al-illat al-jamiati bainahuma, and the fourth one is hukum. Now we haven't. Some some people might think third one. I'm fourth one is going to be the asal. It's not the asal. The asal I only gave you three. The first one was the dalil, al-qa'ida al-mustamira, and what? I'm going to stop there. But the brother's asking four for the 
the pillars of Qiyas. Okay, don't confuse one with the other. Are you with me, brothers? Ah. Good. All of those three I mentioned, you can get it from the Sharh of Abdullah ibn Salih al-Fawzan, from the Sharh uh, uh, of the uh, Al-Waraqat. Okay, he mentions three, there are ten in total. How many? The Asal comes in ten in total. Like, and he only mentions three, all you need to know is just those three right now. Does that make sense? And it's in the Sharh. Yeah? The third one is Al-Maqisu alayhi. It's the one that you're doing the analogy from. Okay? Now we've studied Asal, Lugatan, Wastilahan. We're going to now go into... Now before we go to Al-Fara'a, what, we, what, we, what were we meant to study now? We said Asal and then what was we meant to do next? No, no, no. Usul. We, were, we did Asal, we meant to do Fiqh. That's what we're trying to do, Asal and Fiqh. Like in something happened to um, Abi Ma'ali al-Jwaini. He felt since he mentioned Asal, what's the opposite of Asal? Al-Fara'a. So he just put that in there. You have to know the way the book is written. Or you get confused. We spoke about Asal. What's the opposite of Asal? Fara'a is what? It's, what every, it's, the, it's the thing that's building upon the foundation. That's all we say. مَا يَنْبَنِي عَلَيْهِ غَيْرُهُ أَمَا مَا يُبْنَى عَلَىٰ غَيْرِهِ Are you with me brothers? That's, that's all you need to know about the Farah. Some scholars mention the reason why he mentioned the Farah. Are you with me, brothers? Number one. Why did he mention Farah? Number one is because it's the opposite of the what? Asal. And I mentioned that one to you, right? The second reason why he mentioned the Farah is because in order to understand Usul al Fiqh, what do you need to have? Because Usul al Fiqh is the Asal. And Fiqh is the what? Farah. Subbranch. So you have to have some. You need to study the chapter of Ibadat as we mentioned at the beginning. You have to have understanding of Ibadah. Are you with me, brothers? Does that make sense? Okay. Now we want to go into fiqh. What does it mean? We know asal. Now we're going to go into what? Al-fiqh. Fiqh, what does it mean? Lughatan. Lughatan, the word fiqh means diqqatul fahmi. Fiqh, what does it mean? Lughatan. It means not just understanding. Dikkatul fahmi. What does it mean, dikkatul fahmi? It means something that requires more look. It means it requires more observation. Are you with me? Fiqh is not faham, as some may tra- translate it to be. Because faham is anything everyone can see and understand. Like in fiqh is more what? Like for example, you can't say فَقِيْهُ تُؤَنَّ السَّمَاءَ فَوْقَنَا I have fiqh that the sky is above us. Everyone can see the sky is above us. It doesn't require looking and observation. You don't use fiqh there. You can just say فَهِمْ تُؤَنَّ السَّمَاءَ فَوْقَنَا Does that make sense? Using faham here is not a problem. But fiqh, no. Fiqh is when you look into a book and you research and you try to come with conclusions like that. That's called fiqh. Are you with me brothers? That's why it's called دِقَةُ الْدِقَةُ الْفَهْمِ And the evidence that the scholars bring here is فَمَالِ هَؤُلَاءِ الْقَوْمِ لَا يَكَادُونَ يَفْقَهُونَ حَدِيثًا وَجَعَلْ لِي وَزِيرًا مِنْ أَهْلِي هَارُونَ أَخِي أُشْتُدِ بِي أَزْرِي وَأَشْرِكُ فِي أَمْرِي كَيْ نُسَبِّحَكَ كَثِيرًا وَنَذْكُرَكَ كَثِيرًا No, no, before that وَجَعَلْ لِي وَزِيرًا مِنْ أَهْلِي رَبِّ شْرَحَ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْ 
وحل العقدة باللسان يف يفقه قولي أي يفهم قولي. So they can understand what I'm saying. So the word يفقهوا أي يفهموا. So it's used in the Quran as that means. But it's what دقة الفهم. Very well understand what I'm saying. That is what fiqh means in the language. What does fiqh mean in the language again? In the Arabic language? Meaning Nabiullah Muhammad before he came, the Arabs were using the word fiqh. It meant something to them. What did it mean? Now when the scholars came in Islam, they used the word fiqh. What did they use it as? They gave it a definition. The author mentioned it for you here. What did he say? Three things. Three things is what fiqh is. Fiqh is how many things? Three things. The first one is ma'rifa. Ma'rifa means what? It is to. It is to know. What did he say? It means. It's knowledge. Sahih, number one. Number two is. Rulings of the Sharia. Number two is what? That it's the knowing here is connected to what? The rulings of the Sharia. And number three is what? By way of independent, independent reason. Ala Pay attention here. What did he say? Again, repeat it one more time. Fiqh is how many things? Three things. What was the first? Knowledge. Number two. Ruling of the? Ruling of the Sharia has two types. Write this down. Ruling of the Sharia has how many types? It's, it's two types. The first one is called Ahkam al-Talabiyyah. It's called Al-Ahkam al-Talabiyyah. And the second one is called Al-Ahkam al-Khabariyyah. Al-Ahkam al-Sharia has how many types? Al-Ahkam al-Talabiyyah and Al-Ahkam al-Khabariyyah. Ahkam al-Khabariyyah is Aqeedah. Ahkam al-Khabariyyah is what? It's Aqeedah. And Al-Ahkam al-Talabiyyah is what? Acts of worship. It's fiqh. Which one is he talking about here when he says Al-Ahkam al-Sharia? He's talking about Talabiyyah. Lakin... When the Prophet ﷺ said, "Man yuridi Allahu bihi khayran yufaqihu fi din," the fiqh here that the Prophet is using here, Allah gives him understanding of the religion. What does it encompass? It encompasses both of them we mentioned: al-ahkam al-shar'iyyah al-talabiyyah and al-ahkam al-shar'iyyah al-khabariyyah. Are you with me, brothers? Am I making sense so far? Al-ahkam al-shar'iyyah is two types. The first one is al-ahkam al-shar'iyyah. الطلبية. And the second one is الأحكام الشرعية الخبرية Does that make sense? الخبرية is عقيدة Are you with me? عقيدة So when he says فقهية He means الأحكام الشرعية here Which one does he mean? الطلبية he means Very good The third point, what did he say? By way of... By way of... 
ijtihad. What about if you came to know something, a hukum shar'i, but you found it out without a tariq of ijtihad? What is that called? By taklid, let's say somebody told you, you just took it. You didn't do no ijtihad. This is not fiqh according to the usuliyin. It is fiqh according to the fuqaha, but it's not fiqh according to the usuliyin. Have I made, made sense? Shall I repeat myself again? Yeah. Shall I repeat it again? How many things did we say fiqh was? Three things. The first one is? Knowing, knowledge. Second one was what? Rules of the sharia. We divided the ruling of the sharia into how many? Two. Oh, yeah, I missed something. Oh, I missed something. Let's go back to the first one. What was the first one? Ma'arifah. Ma'arifah is what? The knowledge is also two. The knowledge is what? Two. Dhanni and yaqini. The knowledge you gain through dhanni. Dhan means what? Let's call it confidence. There's a reason why we're going to call it confidence. Ah. Use that word confidence. Okay, you'll see why I chose it. Okay? And the second one is certainty. When you're confident with something, generally in your heart there is a doubt there's something else present. When somebody says, yeah, I'm confident, I'm confident. In the heart there's a percentage of what? But they're towards a side, right? There's more. Are you with me, brothers? Is the fiqh that comes to us through doubt, but the doubt is weak. The doubt is weak. The certainty is more. Do we accept it? Ha, ha. We do accept it. And we can base a hukum shari on this. Are you with me, brothers? Like, for example, Allah Taala said in Surah Al-Muntahina, He said, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, Mulhajirat in Femtahinu Hunna, Allah Alamu bi Imani Hina. For in Alim to Muhunna Muminatin, Fala Tabjiru Hunna ilal Kufarila Hunna Hilulam, Walahum Yahiluna Lahuna. If women come to you from Mecca, okay, and they come to you and they say to the Prophet and you, companions, that we're believers, Allah then says, Femtahinu Hunna, test them. Allah then says, For in Alim to Muhunna, if you come to know that they are believers, can you really know if a person is a believer or not? No, you can't. How can you find out the person? The asal of iman is in the heart. I don't know it. I am basing it on what I see, the speculation. I'm, you're praying, you're with us, you're doing what we're doing. I have a high speculation that you are what? You're a believer. I haven't got 100% sure. Are you with me, brothers? But Allah used the word, فَإِنْ عَلِمْتُمُوهُنَّ The ilm here means what? That we, it means here... Dhan, it means There's high speculation You see a person in the front row Every salah praying He's got a big beard You know, mashallah He's praying, he's crying he, The takbiratul ihram doesn't miss him You can say I believe this person to be a believer But are you 100% sure? Are you with me brothers? And then the, the religion is built upon Fiqh is built upon sometimes what? Ghalabatul High speculation Are you with me brothers? It is, it is right And it's also built upon Certainty, things which are yaqeen. Those are two. Are you with me, brothers? The knowledge we broke, we broke those into those two. And the rulings of the sharia we divided into those two. And derived by way of independent reasoning. So the usuliyin believe the way that you came to this conclusion has to be through what? You have to be, yeah, you have to look, research, 
Ijtihad means this person went home, they lose their memorization, they... This is called what? It's called Ijtihad. If this knowledge came to you by calling a Shaykh, Salaam Alaikum Shaykh, ha, is it permissible? No, Barakallah. You do have the first part which is Ma'rifatul Ahkam Shari'ah. You do know the jurisprudence ruling in this issue. But what way did you gain it? You didn't gain it بطريقه الاجتهاد. You didn't look for it yourself. You, t- you took it بطريقه التخليد. Somebody else told you and you just took it from them. Are you with me brothers? According to the usuliyin, this is not fiqh. And you're not called a faqih. Are you with me brothers? You're not a faqih because you get, you, you're getting your rulings from where? Taqlid. Are you with me brothers? I can... Wallahi, we can spend a month on just this definition alone. Let's go back on it one more time. One month, Shahar Kamil. Let's go back on it again. When we say that the person has knowledge of the jurisprudent rulings, does that mean he has to know everything or he is not called a faqih? Because a fiqh, the person who is doing the fiqh is called a? So let's say he has ma'rifah, al-ahkam al-sharqiyah, But does that mean he has to know everything within the deen? another discussion for another day okay we'll leave that we won't go into that okay hey the author now he finished the he finished one part pay attention brothers what did we just do right now what did we just do? We did usul and we did fiqh. We haven't done usul fiqh together. Where did he go to? He went to al-ahkam al-shari'ah. Do you know why he went to al-ahkam al-shari'ah? Do you know why? Because he was in the definition of fiqh. What did he just say? Ma'rifatu? Al-ahkam al-shari'ah. He knows that you may not know what al-ahkam al-shari'ah means. Are you with me brothers? How many times did we divide al-ahkam al-shari'ah into? No, 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 no. How much? Forget what he did. How much did we do? Two. What was the first one? Al-Ahkam al-Shari'atu al-Talabiyya. And the second one is Al-Ahkam al-Shari'a al-Khabariya. Are we going to be talking about al-Khabariya? Okay, get rid of it. That's Aqeedah, right? We're left with which one? Al-Ahkam al-Shari'atu al-Talabiyya. This is divided into two. Write this down. The Ahkam al-Shari'a al-Talabiyya is broken into how many? Two. It's broken into how many? Two. Al-Ahkam al-Shari'at al-Talabiyah is broken into how many? Two. The first one is called Al-Taklifi. Hukm al-Taklifi. Are you with me, brothers? Hukm al-Taklifi. Hukm al-Taklifi. The second one is Hukm al-Wad'i. Hukmu al-wad'iyu. Are you with me, brothers? Go back to the text now. Everybody, look at the text. What did he say? Walahkamu. Read it for us again. Walahkamu. Again, walahkamu sabah. 
Stop there. Al-wajib, wal-mandubu, wal-mubahu, wal-mahduru, wal-makruh. Five of those are what? Ahkamu al-taklifi. Those five are what? Those are all ahkamu al-taklifi. Al-wajib, wal-mandubu, wal-mubahu, wal-mahduru, wal-makruh. Those five are what? Hukmu taklifi. Is what? To make it fair, to make it fair, he missed three, and then it would have been fine. It would have been five and? It would have been five and five. So I'll give you the extra three that he didn't mention. For the what? Who's, who's missing three? Hukmu al is missing three, right? Write this. As-sabab. As-sabab. الشرط السبب الشرط أن المانع المانع السبب الشرط and المانع الصحيح أن الباطل those are the five he already mentioned الصحيح الباطل for you those five are called what حكم الوضعي الواجب المندوب المباح المحظور أما المكروه أنا المحظور Those five are called what? حكم تكليفي What's the difference now? What's the difference between حكم تكليفي and حكم الوضعي Has everyone written the five for حكم التكليفي? Okay Has everyone got the five for حكم الوضعي? What's the difference between the two? There are many differences. I'm only going to mention one difference, inshaAllah ta'ala. The difference between it, the hukum taklifi is connected to your actions. The hukum taklifi, it is connected, the hukum here is connected to your actions. What is it connected to the hukum taklifi? It's connected to your actions. Are you with me, brothers? It's connected to what? Your actions. The second one, which is wadri, it's not connected to your actions. It is not. It is not connected to your actions, and it is not even under your ability. For example, are you with me, brothers? For example, I have money. And my money reached the nisab. It has reached the amount that was needed. I have money and it reached the amount for zakat. The yearly cycle came. The yearly cycle came. Are you in the brothers? I have money. The amount that was needed. Also, the yearly cycle came. And there is no debt on me. I mentioned three things. How many things did I mention? What were the three things? The yearly cycle came. No, so I've mentioned the amount first. That was a shart. That's a shart. The yearly cycle came by. This is a sabab. And there's no debt. This is a mani'ah. There's no preventing factor. You see, I'm going through Hakam al-Wad'i with you. Okay, brothers. What do I have to do now? 
I have to give the? It's wajib for me to give the? Okay, is it upon me to make this money reach the amount? This is hukum wabi. It's not my job. That's hukum wabi. Does that make sense? I don't have to make the yearly cycle go by. That's not my job. That's hukum wabi. What I'm told to do is when it does reach that time, I have to what? That's when the hukum of taklifi comes into place. And then the hukum wabi is the alama and the signs. The entering of Dhuhr is not my job to bring the sun to the place. Are you with me, brothers? For it to come in. This is a hukum. Hukum wad'i. Does that make sense? Lakin to pray Dhuhr is a what? Hukum. Dhuhr is wajib. I have to pray it. Does that make sense, brothers? Is this clear? Very good. Now we're going to go into the example. The, 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 the five that he mentioned from Ahkamu Taklifi. Are you with me, brothers? Okay, I'm gonna. The Sharia requests from you to do something. Are you with me, brothers? It requested from you, Talabul Fi'li. The Sharia, what did it do? The legislator, Allah Azza wa Jalla, what did he request? From you to do what? And something. He requested you for you to, to do something. In the, the way that Allah requests for you, for you to do something is in two ways. The way that Allah requests for you to do something is in how many ways? The first one is in a forceful manner. That's wajib. And He requests from you to do something in a recommended manner. This is called what? Mandub. I'm a mustahab, however you want to call it. I got two already from the Ahkam Taklifi. Are you with me, brothers? Let me repeat it one more time. Okay? The Sharia requested talabu fi'l. The Sharia requested from you to do an action. What did it request from you to do? An action. The way that it will request from you to do an action is in two ways. How many ways? Two ways. The first one is ala sabili ilzam. Ala sabili. Sabili ilzam means in a forceful manner. You have to. What is this one called? And then what did I define wajib as? Talabul fi'li ala wajhil. Is you requested to do something in a forceful manner? Good. What about if your second type is you're requested to do an action in a recommended manner, not in forceful? If you do this, this is what you're gonna get. No, you're not forced. What's that one called? Mandub. Mandub is talabul fi'li ala wajhil afdaliya. Ala wajhish. Ala wajhil afdaliya. It's better for you to do it. It's good for you to do it. Does that make sense? Okay. How many have I mentioned? Two. Then we come with the Sharia Talabu Tarki. It requested from you to leave something. How many ways would the Sharia request from you to leave of something? In two ways. In a forceful manner. What is that called? Mahdur ama haram, as the author called it here. Mahdur and haram are the same. If the Sharia requests from you to leave of something in a forceful manner, what is this called? Mahadur, or it's called Haram. What about if it tells you to leave of something in a recommended manner? It's good that you leave this off. What is that called? Makru. How many did I mention so far? Four. Two here and two. What's left? What's left now? From the Ahkam al-Taklifi, Mubah is left. 
the scholars, they argued, where does Mubah come into Ahkamu Taklifi? No one's asking you to do anything. Ahkamu Taklifi is you're being burdened to do something. Mubah is nothing. It's your choice. If you want to do it, leave it. Do it. If you don't want to do it, do it. Are you with me, brothers? So scholars, they said, why is the Mubah placed under the Ahkamu Taklifi? Are you with me, brothers? No one's burdening you. It's your choice. It's takhir. You have the choice. Do it if you want. Leave it if you want. It's up to you. Why is it placed under the Ahkamu Taklifi? There are many answers that I've given. One of the answers that I really loved when I read it was Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin's answer. Sheikh ibn Uthaymin, he said, it is a hukum taklifi. How? He said, do you not have to believe it's permissible? So you're not burdened to do something, but you're burdened to believe something. Does that make sense? So it's, there is a command, but the command is nothing to do with an action. It's based on the belief. Allah made this mubah. Are you with me, brothers? Another benefit I want to mention for you guys. Okay? And it's very important. I stood over this benefit when I read the Musnad Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal and I came across the ta'aliqat of Ahmed Shakir rahimahullah ta'ala. I'm going to tell you something beneficial. If Allah makes something mubah, can somebody come and make it haram? Allah made it mubah. Can anyone make it haram? Does everyone here agree that the mubah, if Allah makes something mubah, no one can come and make it haram? Sah? I'm going to... Just yes or no for now. No tafsil. The mubah, if Allah makes something mubah, can anyone come and make it haram? Yeah, brothers. Okay, those, who, those of you who said no, why do you stop at the red light then? Allah made it permissible for you to drive wherever you want. Why do you stop at a red light? The asr is mubah, you can drive wherever and however you want. This land Allah said to you, قُلْ سِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ Travel this earth. Go wherever, wherever you want. You can drive on the pavement. You can drive on anywhere. It's mubah aslan. We have red lights. We have to stop. We're forced to wear seat belts. Ya ikhwah. Based on your fatwa, it's very dangerous. The answer that you just gave is very dangerous. No, the mubah is two types. The mubah is how many types? Oh. The mubah is two types. Something that the sharia came and it stated that it's mubah the sharia stated it to be mubah what did it say the sharia came and said this thing is mubah are you with me brothers anything that the sharia states that it's mubah no one can come and make it haram this one's because it's it's a mubah which is mansus the sharia mentioned it's ibaha are you with me brothers no one is allowed to stop that are you with me brothers for example if we give an example it's polygamy. Is it sunnah or is it mubah? I'm of the opinion that marrying multiple wives is not a sunnah. It's actually mubah. But it's a mubah which is mansus. What is it? Mubah which is mansus. Meaning the Quran mentioned it. No one can say that marrying multiple wives is not allowed. No one can ban it. Or restrict it to one wife. Or to two wives. They're not allowed to. Because فَإِن طَابَلَكُمْ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ مَثْنَى وَثُلَاثَ وَرُبَعَ no one can restrict it. Are you with me, brothers? Because it's mansus. Are you with me, brothers? Okay, now we move on to the second type of ibaha, which is the sharia didn't say it is mubah. But it's from those things that the sharia was quiet about. It didn't speak about it. It was silent about it. Are you with me, brothers? This one falls under ibaha. Because we remember the hadith 
إن الله فرض فرائض فلا تضيعوها وحد حدودا فلا تنتهكوها وسكت عن أشياء رحمة لكم غير نسيان فلا تسألوا عنها in 40 النوي وسكت عن أشياء Allah was quiet about some things this was under إباحة stopping at the red light is from the things Allah was silent about if the government sees this one to make it halal or haram it is allowed if there's a benefit for the Muslims in it or the people does that make sense? Are you with me, brothers? And Imam Ahmad Shakir ta'ala, mentioned that in his Musnad, the ta'liqat of the Musnad of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal ta'ala. Now we're going to. It's It's not mentioned. هيه استدلال طلب الدليل والدليل هو المرشد والمطلوب أنه علامة عليه والظن تجويز أمرين أحدهما أظهر من الآخر والشك تجويز أمرين لا مزية لأحدهما على الآخر وصول الفقه طرقه على سبيل الإجمال وكيفية الاستدلال بها الأوثة أين وقفت؟ وكيفية الاستدلال بها وصول الفقه والشك تجويز أمرين لا مزية لأحدهما على الآخر يا وقف هنا ها the author the author رحمه الله تعالى he finished what what did he speak about let's quickly understand we st- we did أصول and then we did فقه and then when he went to فقه what did he do he went into أحكام شرعية from there why because within the definition of فقه is what الأحكام الشرعية so he spoke about الأحكام الشرعية now we're going back to what the fiqh that we were talking about, we meant to be to usul and a fiqh. Here he mentions something good, which is that he says that fiqh is more specific than what? Knowledge. So which knowledge and fiqh, which one's more, more broader? Knowledge is more broader. And fiqh is what? Why? Write this down. Why is fiqh more specific and knowledge is more broader? Because knowledge... It's not only ahkam shar'i. Knowledge is also al-ahkam al-qadari. The universal things. Science, academic knowledge. This is called ahkam qadari. Are you with me, brothers? Al-ahkam al-qadari. The universal science, things that are happening in the world, the cosmology, physicians, wa ma ila dhalik. Are you with me? Medicine and whatnot. That's ilm. Alisa kadalik, is it not? And al-ahkam al-shar'i is also knowledge. True or false? Lakin fiqh is only which one? Ahkam al-Shari'ah. All of Ahkam al-Shari'ah? No. Within Ahkam al-Shari'ah, specific to what? Al-Ahkam al-Shari'ah al It's more specific to the Talabi. So which one is more broader? Fiqh doesn't... When you say fiqh, are you talking about medicine? Are you talking about... That's not. That's knowledge. So knowledge is more broader than fiqh. Fiqh is specific to Al-Ahkam al 
At-Talabiyya, not even the Khabariya version. Are you with me, brothers? That's what the author, Rahimahullah, here he means. He means. Then he goes into something called Maratibul Idraq. You have to understand this, brothers. The levels of perceptions. Are you with me, brothers? What is this called? This is, by the way, now he went into a issue of mantiq. Now we left usul fiqh. This is nothing to do with usul fiqh now. The issue of ilm and jahal and dhan and shak and al-wahm and al-i'tiqad. This is a discussion of philosophy and logic. It's mabhath mantiqiyya. It's got nothing to do with usul fiqh. But since he mentioned it, we will also discuss it quickly, inshallah ta'ala. When it comes to perception, you all know what perception means? To perceive something. It's of levels. The first of them is ilm, knowledge. What is knowledge? Knowledge is idraq shay'i ala ma huwa alayhi idraqan jaziman. Pay attention to this. Even in debates, when you watch it and people debate, they say, what's the difference between knowledge and belief? You heard that, right? We're going to learn that now, inshallah ta'ala. We're going to learn, we're going to learn. What does knowledge mean? Knowledge means idraku shay is to perceive something as it is with certainty. Ah. Do you see that, brothers? Three things. Knowledge is how many things? Idraku shay, there's a perception in your head. You've perceived something in your mind. So it's, a, it's perception, idraku shay, perception of something. Alama as it is. So my perception and the reality of this thing. Is the same. You ask me what is this? I said to you, it's a coffee. <coughs> my perception and what's here is it, is it not in line? So my perception, idraku shay, alama huwa as it is, and the third thing is certainty. I'm certain that this is a coffee. Are you with me, brothers? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Certain, these are three. Now I'm certain, you're sure. You're, you're, not, you're not doubting. This water. I know this water. Are you with me, brothers? Does that make sense? Then we have the opposite to that, which is called ignorance. Are you with me, brothers? The ignorance is two types. The ignorance is how many types? Now, before we go to ignorance, sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. Let's go back to knowledge. The author mentioned two types of knowledge. Are you with me, brothers? The first type of knowledge is the knowledge called Al-Ilmun Nadari. What is it called? Al-Ilmun Nadari. Ilmun Nadari means it's the knowledge that comes after looking and researching. When does it come? It comes Ba'dan Nadari wal Istidlal. You look, okay, and etc. An example for that is Usul Fiqh itself that we're studying right now. All of you right now, Usul al-fiqh is, is going to be ilm which is nadari. It's a theoretical knowledge where you're going to learn and you're going to see and then after that you have knowledge of it. Are you with me brothers? Anything that you attain through looking and researching is called ilm al-nadari. The second type is called ilm al-daruriyu. Ilm al-daruriyu is knowledge that you know by necessity. You know it by, by necessity. And that is the one where... He mentions it comes through the hawas al-khamsa. It comes through your senses. Are you with me? A new boy, a, a young kid knows a fire. He doesn't need to research and look into books and find out fire, does it burn or does it not? 
A little newborn baby, I'm a young kid, when he sees fire, he'll walk away from it. Sahih? There's something in him called ilmu. Ilmu daruriyu. What is inside him? Ilmu daruriyu. This is the second. This one doesn't need looking and researching or anything. Okay? Does that make sense? This is called ilmu daruriyu. That's the two types of knowledge. Then we have ignorance, which is the opposite of knowledge. Okay? Ignorance is two types. Okay? Ignor- ignor- ignorance is how many types? It's two types. The first one is called jahlun basita. Jahlun basit. It's the type of ignorance which is easy. It's the easy type of ignorance. How is it easy? It's Adam idraki bil kulliya. Adamu idraki. Adamu idraki bil kulliya. This person doesn't have no perception at all. So you say to them, what is this? They say, I don't know. What is it? Tell me. There's no perception in their head. Okay? Are you with me, brothers? The second type of ignorance is called Jahlun Murakab. What is it called? Jahlun Murakab. It's a compounded ignorance. It's a compounded ignorance. Why is it called compounded ignorance? We'll see it. It's idraku shay ala wajhin yukhalifu ma huwa alayhi. Idraku shay'i. It is to perceive something in opposition to what it really is in the outer. So you ask me what is this and I said to you it's a mobile phone. You say what is this? I said to you it's a mobile phone. Samsung. Here I have a perception. Do I not have a perception? I do have a perception. But is my perception in accordance to the reality in front of me? No. There isn't. This is called what? Jahlun? Jahlun Murakam. Here I have to stop here because the author didn't mention it. I think it's good to also mention it. Are you with me brothers? Which is the concept of i'tiqad, belief. The author didn't mention it. But it will help you to know it because of the fact that nowadays they make this into uh, they make it into um, debate and discussions like that. Isn't that just a belief? Right, that's what they say. What does belief mean? I'tiqad. I'tiqad is the same definition as knowledge. As we said, knowledge is I'tiqad is the only difference between the two is. اعتقاد قابلة للتغيير. It accepts changing your mind. What does it accept? Changing your mind. Are you with me, brothers? Anything that will change over time is called a belief, and anything that doesn't accept changing is called knowledge. Are you with me, brothers? I don't want to go too much details into that. اعتقاد is something that you you perception as it is with certainty. But it changes. It can change. قَابِلَةٌ Are you with me? Good. Because we don't want to say that it's not as it is in front of you. That's what they want to get to. No, it's exactly as ilm. And I can go in more details, but there's no need for it now. We're trying to take usulu. We're trying to take here. Usulu al-fiqh. The jahl is two types. Jahlun basitun and jahlun murakabun. Jahlun basit, I said he doesn't know at all. He looks at you and says, you tell me, what is it? Jahlun murakab means he thinks he knows but he doesn't really know. And that's the, that's the worst one because his murakab is compounded. How is it compounded? He doesn't know, one. And two, he thinks he knows. And that's the problem. This one is the one you can't really help. Because first of all, you have to show him that he doesn't know. And that takes effort. So it's hard to pour something into a, a dirty cup. 
Why do I say a full dirty cup? Because it's dirty, you have to clear it out, then you have to wash it, and then you have to pour things into it. So it's very hard. Whereas the jahlum, the jahlum basit, it's easy. He, he knows he doesn't know, and he's willing to take what you tell him. Then the author, rahimahullah, he mentioned, um, so he, as he, you can see here, he said, well, al-daruri and ilm al-muqtasab. Ilm al-muqtasab is the same as I said, ilm al-nadari, it's the same. Ilm al-muqtasab and ilm al-nadari is the same, synonym. And then he explained for you what does nadar mean and what does istidlal mean. Sahih? Reason is because it's in the definition of al-muqtasab. The ilm al-nadari, how do you find out? Observation and what? Seeking evidence. And the question is, what's evidence? Evidence, what, is, what does it mean? He explains it to you. Evidence means anything that would lead you to what you're looking for. That's what evidence is. Okay? And it can be two things. It can be, phys- it can be tangible and it can also be something that's not tangible. Okay? Am I making sense, brothers? Like for example, taking someone to the Quran and the Sunnah, that's, a, that's not tangible. Somebody said, give me the delete for this mas'ala. The delete is not something you can touch here. Are you with me, brothers? But if I say, Akhi, take me to Ajman. You are a delil for me. What are you? In Arabs, they use this person as a, they call it delil. He takes you by the hand and he takes you to Ajman. He guides you to where? This is tangible. Okay? Here the question is, what's van? Van and shak. Are you with me, brothers? Van and shak, the, also, the author mentioned. Wadhanu wa shaku. What does van mean, brothers? Huh? Yeah, it means two things are in front of you. And you, no, sorry, sorry. Let me see. You came to me and you said to me, What is this? And I said to you, It's water or it's a juice. Are you with me, brothers? But in my heart, I have one more than the other. So if you, I don't feel the same. And I said to you, okay, which one do you think more? And I think, yeah, it's more water. This is called van. The percentage that's high is called what? The seven, uh, 70%, I believe this is what? Water. The 30% that I'm doubting, what is that called? Wahm. Write that down. The Sheikh didn't mention that part. Yeah? Well, we're going to come to the Mas'alat al-Mu'awal. They're going to mention it. Suleen, they mention it as Mu'awal. Are you with me, brothers? So, yeah? 51 and now we're going to come to it. Is shak. Yeah, can you, you can say dhan if you want. But it's very low dhan. This dhan is two types. Dhan ghalib and dhan ghayr ghalib. Like it's still dhan. It's very weak. If the two things are the same, 50 and what? 50 and? 50 and? 50. This is called what? Shak. Shak means Tajweezu amrayni la maziyyati al-ahadima ala al-akhari. You can't say this one is stronger than this one. You're like, what's this? Juice or water? Which one do you think? Allah, I don't know. It does really look like a juice I've seen before. You can't tell the difference. Lakin. If you think 70% is water, what is that called? Zahir. What about the 30%? That's, that's there. What's that called? That 30% is what? 40% is called Waham. 
The author didn't mention that by the way. That 30 or 40% is called Waham. Are you with me, brothers? Good. So how many levels of Maratibul Idraq did we mention? We mentioned Ilm, we mentioned Jahal, we mentioned Dhan, we mentioned Shak, we mentioned Waham, and we mentioned I'tiqad. So we mentioned six levels of Maratibul Idraq, the levels of perception. Number one, Al-Ilmu. The second one was what? Al-Jahlu, ignorance. The third one was what? Al-Dhanu. Wal-Shakku. Which one? Al-Ilmu, Al-Jahlu, Al-Dhanu. And then Al-Shakku. And then Al-I'tiqadu. And then Al-Wahmu. We mentioned those six, correct? What are those all called? Levels of perceptions. Maratibul idraq. And that's, this is a mabhath mantiqi. It's got nothing to do with the soul fiqh. But because he was talking about fiqh and he was talking about understanding and knowledge and what, he got carried away with it like that. Like and this is nothing to do with what? It's nothing to do with usuru al-fiqh. Until now, we're still waiting for the author to give us the definition of usul al-fiqh together. He hasn't done it. Are you with me brothers? Finally, now he's going to do it. Hey, let him do it for us. وصول الفقه طرقه على سبيل الإجمال وكيفية الاستدلال بها. فأبواب وصول الفقه أقسام الكلام والأمر والنهي والعام والخاص والمجمل والمبين والظاهر والمؤول والأفعال والناسخ والمنسوخ والإجماع والأخبار والأخبار. والأخبار والقياس والأخبار والقياس والحضر والإباحة وترتيب الأدلة وصفة المفتي والمستفتي وأحكام المجتهدين. هي the author now he defines for us أصول الفقه. أصول الفقه is three things. Yes, easy. I'll make it simple for you. He he mentioned two, but we will add the third one on for him. Okay, brothers. Even this is discussed. I make more details when I explain it other places, but I'm going to make it easy for you. Just take it three things. أصول الفقه as a subject, it deals with its four things. That's what it means. The first thing is, the first thing is, Adilatul Ijmaliyah. Adilatul Ijmaliyah, what does it mean? Comprehensive evidences. Usul fiqh doesn't deal with detailed evidences. What does it deal with? Comprehensive evidences. Give a, uh, let me give you guys an example. Okay, let me give you Let me give you an example Al-amru taqtadil wujub A command benefits us what? If Allah and His Messenger command something, what does it benefit us? Obligation, right? This is a dilla ijmaliya This is a comprehensive evidence How is it? It's comprehensive, why? I can use it anywhere I find Allah and His Messenger commanding It's comprehensive It can go into zakat It can go into hajj it can go into salah. It can go anywhere. It's comprehensive. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? For example, Allah says, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ Establish the prayer. Is it obligatory to pray? How do you know it's obligatory to pray? Because Allah commanded. Allah says, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ Establish the prayer. So you're going to say, وَالْأَمْرُ تَقْتَضِ الْوُجُوبِ That the command, what does it benefit? Obligation. That's adil ijmaliya. Allah says in another place, وَآتُ الزَّكَاةِ Give the zakat. What do you say? It's obligatory. Because Allah and His Messenger, Allah, sorry, Allah commanded us here. Wal amru taqtadil wujub. 
The first one was Salah and the other one was Zakat. Two different chapters in Fiqh. It's comprehensive. You can use it in every chapter. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, وَفِّرُوا liha. Let your beards grow. This is a command. What does it benefit us? Wujub. See, we're using it in a lot of places. Am I making sense here? Are you with me, brothers? Lakin fiqh is adilla tafsiliyah. This is the difference between, underline this, this is the difference between usul al-fiqh and fiqh. What's the difference? Usul uh, al-fiqh is adilla ijmaliyah, comprehensive evidences. Fiqh here is what? Adilla tafsiliyah. Meaning, if I asked you, hukmu salat al-dhuhri, the hukum of salat al-dhuhr, and you say, salat al-dhuhri wajib, Salat al-Dhuhr is wajib. Is this comprehensive evidence or is this specific to just Dhuhr and Salah? Then that's fiqh. It's specific to one particular chapter. It's specific to one particular issue and you can't use that for anywhere else. That's called adilla tafsiliya. It's a specific evidence. Specific discussion. Whereas this one, adilla ijmaliya, comprehensive. You can use it in everywhere you find this issue. Am I making sense here? Okay. The second thing usul al-fiqh means is kayfiyatul istifadati minha. How do you benefit from the Quran and the Sunnah? How do you benefit from it? And this is the issue we spoke about dalalatu dalalatu al-alfaz which we'll speak about inshallah ta'ala which is al-amr wal-nahyu al-am wal-khas mutlaq wal-muqayyid al-nas al-zahir al-mujmal al-mubayyin an-nasq al-nasq Are you with me brothers? In the, in, the, in the thing I gave. Hmm. Okay. Uh, brothers. Hmm. Yes, yeah, true. We're going to have to add that in there at the end. Remind me later, inshallah ta'ala, when we go to the, 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 the mawdu' of usul fiqh that we mentioned. That I mentioned, right? The overview that I gave before we went in. Remind me there's something we're going to add something onto it, okay? That I forgot to mention, okay? Remind me later at the ending. So what was the second thing that Usul Fiqh deals with? How do you benefit from the text? Is this general? Is this specific? Is this... How do you benefit from the text? What's the third thing that Usul Fiqh deals with? Halul Mustafidi. Who is allowed to benefit from the text? Yeah, the mujtahid and what not. Are you with me, brothers? The mujtahid. Halu mustafid. The situation of the one who can benefit directly from the text. Who is he? Idan usul fiqh is those three. When the scholars define it, that's all they're going to say. Ma'rifatul ahkam. The first one they're going to say, as the author said, turuq sabilul ijmali am adilatul ijmaliyah kayfiyatul istifadati mina wa halu mustafid. Those three. Are you with me, brothers? Now you all have come to know about, about the definition of usul al-fiqh. Sah? I will, yeah? No? Okay. Huh? Usul al-fiqh is three things. The first one is comprehensive evidences. Adilatul ijmaliya. Second one is how do you benefit from the text? How can you benefit from it? How do you benefit from the Quran and the Sunnah? Here is the issue of Dalalatul Al-Fad. I spoke about it before. Kayfiyatul Istifadi Minha and Dalalatul Al-Fad is the same. When do you stick to the wording? When do you go to the meaning? Knowing that. Third one is 
who is the one who is permitted, who is allowed, who was given the certificate, who was given the permission to go and look at the Quran and the Sunnah and extract rulings from it, which we're going to study at the ending of the book, which is known as Zawat, the Mujtahid, the Mufti, the, we're going to look at there, inshallah, inshallah ta'ala. Here, I want to mention something else that the author said here. After he defined Usulul Fiqh, what did he say? He talks about the chapters of Usul Fiqh that he's going to be discussing in the book. Sahih? Are you with me? Two points I want to mention. Write them down, inshaAllah ta'ala. Two points. Number one, the author mentioned some things here when he said, Aqsamul Kalami, Awal Amr, Wal Nahi, Wal Am, Wal Khas, Wal Mudman, Wal Mubayan, Wal Dair, Wal Mu'awal, Wal Fa'al, Wal Nasir, Wal Nasir, Wal Ijma, Wal Akbar, Wal Qiyas, Wal Hadar, Wal Ibaha, Wal Tartibul Adilat, Wal Sifatul Mufti, Wal Mustafti, Wal Hakamul Mujtahideen. He mentioned a list, right? The list that he mentioned, he missed out, point number one, he missed out things that he goes to mention later, but he didn't mention here. Which is An-Nasu. An-Nas. He doesn't mention it that he's going to speak about it here. But when you go into the book, you realize that he missed out An-Nas. He also missed out At-Ta'arud. He, he talks about it. Three, Istishab. Istishabul Hal. Istishab. He speaks about that. He, but he didn't mention it here. Qawlu Sahabi. Qawlu. Qawlu Sahabi. So, An-Nasu. At-Ta'arub. Istishab. And Qawlu Sahabi. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So, he actually missed out things that he didn't mention here. That he actually what? Some people what they did was When they saw that he missed that In the copies that they brought They put it in there for him And that's not, that's not right Books are not allowed to be tampered with And you can't touch them You have to bring it the way it is And at the bottom mention what he did wrong Because the book This is not amana ilmiya You're doing tasarruf of the book the way you want Are you with me brothers? The person has to bring the book out If you think he missed something out Mention it in the sharah Or other ta'liqat later Touching the book and adding things into it, this is a khiyana, it's a deception. Are you with me, brothers? Because you're saying that this is what he said and he didn't say this. Okay? Number two is, and this is why I didn't mention it, mm-hmm. I, the mistake happened to me, is that he mentions here a nasikh and a mansukh. Are you with me? But when it comes to the book, he doesn't go into it. When we go into the book, he doesn't speak about Nasikh. But here, in the beginning, he talks, he says, it seems like he's going to speak about it, right? Are you with me, brothers? So, Nasikh and Mansukh, he doesn't speak about it. But what, did he does, what does he talk about? He talks about just the concept of a Nasikh. He doesn't, talk about, he doesn't talk about Nasikh, and he doesn't talk about Mansukh. He only talks about a Nasikh as a concept. We'll see what, what the difference is, inshallah ta'ala. Are you with me, brothers? Now we're going to start the book, inshallah ta'ala. All of that was a muqaddimah. Now the book is going to start. Okay, what was the first chapter he mentioned here that he's going to cover in his book? Huh? Aqsamul kalam. So we're going to tackle that now, inshallah ta'ala. What does aqsamul kalam mean? What does it say in the translation? Types of? So we're now going to go into the types of speech. Okay? Fadal, Sheikh. 
اقرأ إلى آخر هذا إلى قوله تعالى جدار يريد أن ينقض فأقامه والكلام ينقسم إلى أمر ونهي وخبر واستخبار وينقسم أيضا إلى تمن وعرض وقسم ومن وجه آخر ينقسم إلى حقيقة ومجاز الحقيقة ما بقي في الاستعمال على موضوعه وقيل مستعمل فيما اصطلح عليه من المخاطبة والمجاز ما تجوز به عن موضوعه والحقيقة إما لغوية وإما شرعية وإما عرفية والمجاز إما أن يكون بزيادة أو نقصان أو نقل أو استعارة المجاز بالزيادة مثل قوله تعالى ليس كمثله شيء وهو السميع البصير والمجاز بالنقصان مثل قوله تعالى واسأل القرية والمجاز بالنقل كالغائط فيما يخرج من الإنسان والمجاز بالاستعارة كقوله تعالى جدارا يريد أن ينقض The author now goes into the types of kalam Kalam, why does he speak about it? Why does he go into the concept of al-kalam? Because mabna ahkam al-shara' The whole of the sharia is built upon what? The speech of Allah Azza wa Jalla and the speech of who? The Messenger alayhi salatu alayhi salatu salam. Are you with me brothers? Walidalika, this is what brings us to a point which is very important is ahmiyatu ta'allumu lughat al-arabiyya. The importance of learning the, learning the Arabic language. Quran is Arabic. And the Prophet's speech is what? And if you don't know Arabic language, you're going to struggle in usul al-fiqh. Are you with me, brothers? It is important, it is vital that you study the Arabic language, you study grammar, you study sarf. You have to. وَلِذَلِكَ الْأَمِيَةُ الْأَفْعَالُ وَدِزْ إِبْنُ مَالِكٍ He said, وَبَعْدُ مَنْ يُحْكِمْ تَصَرُّفَهُ يَحُزْ مِنَ اللُّغَةِ الْأَبْوَابَ وَالسُّبُلَ وَهَاكَ نَضْمَنْ مُحِيطًا بِالْمُهِمِّ وَقَدْ يَحُوِ التَّفَاصِيلَ مَنْ يَسْتَحْذِرُ الْجُمَلَ you study Balagha in its three types Ilmul Bayan, Ilmul Badi, Ilmul Ma'ani There are two books you can study Uqud al-Jumman by Jalaluddin al-Suyuti Or you can study the uh, Jawhar al-Maknoon by al-Akhdari You study the language, you study Adab The Arabic literature, Lamiyat al-Arab, Maqamat al-Hariri, Mu'allaqat al-Ashara You study this The reason why Because the Quran is what? وَإِنَّهُ لَتَنْزِيلُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ عَلَى قَلْبِكَ لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنْذِرِينَ بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيٍ and the Arabic language, brothers, is the language of every Muslim. And remember that. The Arabic language is not owned by an Arab. It's owned by every Muslim, wherever he comes from in the world. As soon as you take Islam, your language, your first language is what? Arabic. Are you with me, brothers? If you look at the, 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 the greatest Arabs and you look at the greatest scholars of the Arabic language, they were not Arabs. Are you with me, brothers? Who wrote grammar? The, the father of grammar is who? Where's Sibawahi from? He's a Persian man. He's a Persian man. He came to Halaqa by his teacher Hamad ibn Zaydin or Hamad ibn Salama. I don't know which one of them. Ihtal Hamadain. It's one of the two Hamad. Either Hamad ibn Salama or Hamad ibn Zaydin. And so he came to that gathering to take hadith. When he sat in the halaqah, um, he read the hadith wrong. He read the hadith wrong. This is before he talked about grammar and before he left. So he sat in the gathering, he read the hadith, and then when he read the hadith, Hamad ibn Salam or Hamad ibn Zayd, whichever of them it was, he said, Lahanta ya Farisi. Oh, you Farisi. 
you spoke wrong. The way you read was wrong. And then uh, Siba Wei stood up and then he said, I promise I will learn this science. No one's ever going to say to me, you grammatically spoke wrong. And he stood up and he went and he studied and he mastered until he became the father of grammar. Until he became the what? The father of grammar. He's the father for it. And the madhab of Kufa is who? Al-Kisai. There's a qissa called, I don't want to go off topic, unless I get forced to, um, where he, Sibawayhi and Kisai met each other, and it was the cause of the death of qissa uh, al-Zumbur, they call it. It's qissa mashkura, like in its authenticity, wallahu a'lam, because it, it portrays Kisai as a deceptive individual. And he's not a deceptive individual, rather he's an imam in Aimmat al-Qiraat. That's how he started to become a grammarian. There's another imam, Sheikh, by the name of Khalid al-Azhari. Khalid al-Azhari wrote the kitab, Mu'assir al-Tulab, I'm a Mu'assir al-Tulab, however you want to read it. It's the same, you can say Mu'assir al-Tulab, or you can say Mu'assir al-Tulab. Khalid al-Azhari. Khalid al-Azhari, he explain the kitab Qawaid al-Iraq by Ibn Hisham al-Ansari in grammar and he used to be a person who used to pour tea for the students in Jamiat al-Azhar Azhar University he used to pour tea for them one day he poured tea for one of the students he just loved khair, he loved khair he loved to do good so he poured tea for one of the students he used to do that all the time, pour tea, tea for the students in the Jamiat so he poured tea and one of the students the tea went on his notes. And then he said to him, you jahil, don't, why do you look where you're pouring the tea on? That word hurt him, ya jahil. Khalid al-Azhari, it hit his heart. Calling me jahil. He sat down and he learned the Arabic grammar until he became what? Until they called him Sibawai Zamanhi, the Sibawai of his time. Are you with me brothers? Nowadays you're going to find people, you say to them, Akhi, mashallah, you've got a beautiful voice. How about you go towards the Qur'an? Why do you give importance? If you memorize the Qur'an with this voice, Wallahi, Allahumma barik. You see a person who's a good writer, Wallahi, Akhi, why don't you go towards, you know, uh, Islamic science? You encourage him. Years goes by, he hasn't done anything. And Imam al-Zahabi, he was into Qiraat. As he mentioned in his kitab, Ma'arifat al-Qura'i al-Kibar. He loved Qiraat and he used to study Qiraat. Until one day his teacher, Barzali, saw Dhahabi writing a letter. Brothers, just look at this. He saw him, Imam Dhahabi, writing a letter. And then he stood over him and he looked at his, his writing and he said to him, Wallahi, you write like the people of Hadith. The way you write is like the people of Hadith. Really? He said, yes. Dhahabi doesn't know Hadith at this moment. He said, really? I, I write like the people of Hadith. He said, yes, you do. He went and he studied Ilm al-Hadith. Until he became who? Until he became Imam Dhahabi. The Sir Alam al Bala, you know, the Istidrakat of Imam Hakim al Nisaburi, Wafaka with Dhahabi, you hearing? Are you me? Dhahabi was the man that Ibn Hajar went to the Kaaba, Kaaba. He drank Zamzam water and he said, Allahumma alimni al Hadith, Kama alam Dhahabi al Hadith. Oh Allah, teach me Hadith the way you taught Dhahabi Hadith. He used to drink Zamzam water to be like him. Ibn Hajar would drink Zamzam water and ask Allah to make him like Imam Dhahabi. 
Are you with me, brothers? And how did he embark on that path of hadith? He just was writing and somebody, Imam said to him, you're good at writing and your writing is like the people of hadith and that's it. That just shows you their aspiration. Their aspiration was like that. Sibawah is Basra and Kisai is Kufa. And those are the two madhabs. Madhab Kufa and Madhab Basra. Okay, so he mentioned number one here, Aqsamul Kalam, dividing the what? Speech. How many types did he divide the speech into? Al-Imam Abi Ma'ali al-Jwaini. Three. How many ways did he divide? How many ways did he divide the kalam into three? The first one is تَقْسِيمُ الْكَلَامِ بِاعْتِبَارِ مَا يَتَرَكَّبُ مِنْهُ Okay. The first one is what's the bare minimum of a sentence? The first categorization of kalam is what is the bare minimum of what? The bare minimum of a sentence. When can we say this sentence is complete? The first categorization is kalam in terms of its minimum structure. Are you with me, brothers? And it's important, brothers, to study the difference between kalam, kalimatun, and qawlun. Ibn Malik said, Kalamuna lafdun mufidun kastaqib, wasmun wa fi'lun thumma harfun al kalim, wahiduhu kalimatun wal qawlu wa kilmatun biha, kalamun kadju am. You need to know the difference between kalamun, kalimatun, and qawlun. You need to know the difference between each one. So, what's the minimum a speech is? The second categorization is taqsimul kalami bi'tibari madlulihi. Speech in terms of what it indicates and what it shows and what it expresses. And number three is taqsimul kalami bi'tibari isti'malihi in terms of its usage. In terms of its usage. That's all this he mentioned is that categorization. What was the first one? The minimum of a what? He broke, he broke, that, broke that into four. The minimum an Arabic sentence can be الكلام, The minimum that an Arabic sentence can be He mentioned how many? Abu Ma'ali al-Jwaini mentioned four. What is the first one? Two nouns. Minismaini. Two, two nouns, such as Ad-Deenun Nasiha. Ad-Deen is a noun. and nasiha is a what? It's a noun. The second one is Murakabun Min Fi'lin Wasmin. A noun and a verb. Such as Ja'al Haku. Ja'al Ja is a fi'il and Al Haku is what? Ism. Good. Harf. Wasmin. Harf and a what? Harf and a isim. Such as Ya Rabbu. Ya Rabbu. Ya is a harf and Rabbu is what? It's an isim. The fourth one is Harf and a what? Fi'il. Ma qama. Ma. The second one is Harf and a what? And a fi'il. Ma qama. The word harf in English is called a particle. Fi'il is called a verb. 
and an isim is called a noun. The author here, he is right in the first two. The first two is right. Two nouns, yes. Ad-Deenun Nasiha, he's right on that. He's also right when he made it into a what? When he made it into a fi'il and a ha'ism. Fi'il or ism. Is he right in that? Yeah, he's right. There, there is, it is in the Arabic language. But he is wrong for the second two. The second two are not right. Why? Ya Rabbu Ya Rabbu There's a muqaddar, there's something hidden. There is a There is a hidden word which is Ad'ullaha I'm calling on to Allah. That's what it is. The ya here is standing in the position of what? The nida is hidden in it is the verb which is Ad'ullaha Does that make sense? So it brings us back to what? A verb and a a verb and a noun. So it's just a verb and a noun. When a person says Ya Rabb, what, what are you going to say? He's calling on to Allah. The Ya here means Ad'u Allah. So there's no such a thing as a harf and a it's actually a verb and a a verb and a noun which we already mentioned which is Ja'al Haqu. As for where he said Ma Qama Ma Qama he didn't stand. It was referring to somebody you were talking to before, uh, before that. Does that make sense? If you say, Ma Qama, it's Akhi, where's Zaid? Well, like Zaid, yeah. And then you say to me, Ma Qama. Ma Qama Zaidun is what you're trying to say. Zaidun is hidden here. Because the, he, both people know. And in the sentence is three words, not two. Are you with me, brothers? But the reason why he considers it to be is because whether it's hidden or not, what I can see here is only two. Does it make sense? Like in according to the grammarians, they're going to say no. It's not what you can see. There's something called muqaddar in the Arabic language. Even if you can't see it, it's still there. Okay? So we finished the first type of categorization of speech, which is the bare minimum it can be. What's the second type? In terms of what it indicates. The author mentioned many types, but it goes back to two. He mentioned what? He mentions Amrun wa Nahiin wa Khabarin wa Stikhbarin wa Tamannin wa Ardin wa Qasamin. Are you in brothers? All of those go back to two. What do they go back to? It goes back to just two. So the second type, which is Taqseemul Kalami bi'atibari madlulihi, speech in terms of what it indicates is two types. It's either Khabar, it's either Khabar, or it's insha'. It's either khabar, khabar, or it is al-insha'. It is khabar, or it is what? Al-insha'. It is khabar, or it is what? Al-insha'. What's the difference between al-khabar and al-insha'? The difference between is khabar is what? Qawlun yalzamuhu sidqa. It is anything you can say to a person You're lying Or you're telling the truth That's a khabar If I say to you Akhi, did you not know Today it rained And you can say to me You're telling the truth That's a khabar 
If you can say to me, you're lying, that's a khabar. Are we all together, brothers? But what about if I say to you, Akhi, come with me, and you say to me, you're lying? Can you say that? That's not khabar. What is that? It's insha. Insha is It's something you can't say you're lying or you're telling the truth. And under that, what, does it, what, what falls under the, the first one, which is khabar? Any news that's told to you. Khabar is khabar. Any khabar or istikhbar, whatever. Like in insha under it, what falls under there? Al amru, wal nahiyu, wal qasamu, wal tamannin, wal All of them are what? Insha. Are you with me, brothers? Commands are insha. Nahi is insha. Are you with me, brothers? Because if somebody commands you, you can't say you're lying or you're telling the truth. If someone prohibits you from something, you can't say you're lying or you're telling the truth. Istikhbar, it goes under khabar. Lakin al-ardu and al-qasam and tamannin and al-amru wa nahyu they all fall under where? Does that make sense, brothers? Khabar is news. Khabar is news. When somebody tells you news. Don't you say, Fulan is watching the khabar. Al-akhbar, you know. The second, what does ard mean? Ard is when you request from somebody, to, someone to do something for you, but in a soft way. Uh, it's at-talabu birifqin. Ard is requesting from somebody to do something for you, but in a soft, kind way. Are you doing, brothers? As for amr and nahi, we're going to come to the definition of it, inshallah ta'ala, okay? Tamannin, what does it mean? Wishing for something. Tamannin is when you wish for something. And you hope for something. And al-qasam is a half in binyamin. Is when you make a covenant, a promise. That's the second type of categorization. We're now going to go into the third type of kalam. Which is what? Aqsamul kalami bi'atibar isti'amalihi. In terms of its usage. How many types did the author here mention? Haqiqa and Haqiqa and Majaz. What does Haqiqa What is Let's define Haqiqa. What does Haqiqa mean? Haqiqa is when a word is used in the way that it was placed. Like for example, the word lion. What does it mean? Haywanun Muftaris. The word Asad is an animal, four legs, big hair. Everyone here, if it, if it walked in, would you all leave the dirt? Hadahu, haywanu muftaris. Muftaris. Muftaris meaning it rips and splits and eats and kills, صح? That's what an asid is. That's what the Arabs, when they placed the word asid, meant. Are you with me, brothers? So that's what it means. Haqiqatul ma'ana is what? The real meaning of asid means what? It means that. Okay. What about if I say to you, رَأَيْتُ الْيَوْمَ أَسَدٌ يَخْطُبُ I saw a lion given a khutbah. I've took the word from its original usage and I made it into what? Who do you think it is now I'm talking about? A brave person. Sahih. 
When I say, how did you know that I wasn't talking about the animal with the four legs? How did... Huh? 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 How did you know it was figurative and it wasn't literal? Ah, uh, you, you heard the word khutbah. Are you with me? But if I just said to you, I saw a lion, what would you think first? What would come to your mind? But if I add the word yakhtubu, then the word yakhtubu in Arabic is called the karina. Write that down, it's important. It's called the karina. What is it called? It's called the karina. Karina is something that diverted it from its original meaning and it made it into something it isn't. What is that called? It's called Karina. What is it? It's Karina. The Haqiqah is how many types? The Haqiqah is how many types? Three types. Haqiqah Lugawiyah, Haqiqah Shar'iyah, and Haqiqah Al-Urfiyah. There are three types of Haqiqah. The author mentioned it for you. He mentioned it for you. وَالْحَقِيقَةُ إِمَّا لُغَوِيَّةٌ وَإِمَّا شَرْعِيَّةٌ وَإِمَّا عُرْفِيَةٌ Are you with me brothers? What does it mean حَقِيقَ لُغَوِيَّةٌ حَقِيقَ شَرْعِيَّةٌ and حَقِيقَ عُرْفِيَّةٌ Are you with me brothers? For example, what does the word الصَّوْمُ mean in the Arabic language? The language. An imsak. ولذلك the poet he said قول النابغة الذبياني ودري say خين صيام وخين غير صائمة تحت العجاج وأخرى تعلق اللجمة what does it mean a horse for he says خين صيام a horse that has a rope inside it and you're holding it what are you doing to it you're holding it back then Arabic what does it mean it's to hold back is to hold something, صح? الامساك. So, حقيقة اللغوية of the word fasting is what? According to the Arabs, what did it mean, the word siyam, before the religion came? What was it known as? Good. What is it that the person needs to... What about now the word fasting came into the sharia? Can you use the حقيقة اللغوية of fasting? If you, can you say Ramadan, I'm just going to stay at home and do nothing. That's what fasting means in the language. Can you say that? No, we say it has a haqiqa lugawiya. Meaning there is a link, uh, haqiqa shari'a, sorry. The shari'a has given this word what? It has given a definition. What did it do? It didn't dismiss the original meaning, which is to withhold, right? This time you're withholding from what? Three things. Are you in this? Atta'am wa sharabu wal jima'u. Drinking, eating, and sexual intercourse. Those three, what do they do to your fasting? If you come with it, it breaks it. And there's a fourth one, which is what? It reduces it. Which is if you lie, if you speak foul language, it doesn't nullify it, but it reduces it. And then these three nullify it, and doing anything sinful acts, what does it do? It reduces it. So you, you need to withhold for those, from all of those types. So withholding now. وَلِذَلِكَ مَرْيَمَ when she said إِنِّي جَعَلْتِ إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلْرَّحْمَانِ صَوْمًا What did she say after that? فَلَنْ فَلَنْ أُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمَ إِنْسِيَّةِ So what is she going to withhold from? From speech. Are you with me brothers? Okay. حقيقة 
Urfiya means something that the people have, they, they know and they do. It's something, the Haqiqa Urfiya is two types. Haqiqa Urfiya is Amma, Haqiqa Urfiya Amma, and Haqiqa Urfiya Khasa. It's Am meaning it's general. Are you with me? And there's again Haqiqa Urfiya which is Khasa. Okay, what does that mean? It means when you say the word Dabba, when you say the word Dabba, for, every, uh, for everyone, the Urf is that it's, uh, it's what? The four-legged animal. But the truth is that we are a Dabba in the language. Sahih? But the Urf of the people, they don't know Dabba as a human being. What do they know Dabba as? Animal, right? But in the language, Dabba means what? Anything that walks on this earth is a Dabba, right? The second type of Haqiqa Urfiya is what? Is khasa, is specific, specific to each scholar, the field that they are in. This is the urf they have. Are you with me, brothers? The word al uh, jazmu. What does it mean in nahwa? Has a meaning. Are you with me, brothers? This is a, this is a term coined by the people of that field. It's a haqiqa urfiya عند النحات. It's khas to them. Okay. We have finished, alhamdulillah, the first type, which is haqiqa. We're now going to go into the second type, which is the figurative speech, which is majaz. And this is in terms of the usage, right? In terms of the usage, how many types did we say? Haqiqa and what? Majaz. Majaz, how many types did the author mention? He mentioned four types. How many types did he mention? He mentioned four types. But in reality, it's only three types. But we mentioned the four types, inshaAllah ta'ala. The first one is Al-Majaz Biziyada. Ziyada here means additional. What does it mean? Figurative by addition. Is figurative in what way? Ha, by addition. Meaning, there's a letter in there which they believe is Zaida, additional. Like they said, Laysa ka mithrihi. The kafiyah and the word mithri, they said it's the same. And the Sunnah don't believe that. And I won't go into this discussion right now, okay? But it's the kaf and the mithri. Okay? That's the first one. The second one is, Al-Majazu bin Nuqsan. The second one is, figurative by, by deletion. Something... By deletion, something was deleted, something was reduced. Like when Allah said, Was'al al qariya go ask the village. What's missing from the ayah is, Was'al ahl al qariya The word ahl is missing from there. You don't go to the walls and say, Wall, I have a question. You go to the people of that land. Are you with me? So they said the word ahl is missing from it. It's majaz. It's metaphorically. Are you with me, brothers? The third one is, Al majazu bin naqli. Al majazu bin naqli means. This word has transferred from its original usage. It's no longer used in that way. Meaning, the word kalgaiti. The word ghaiit in the Arabic language, it's called al-ardul mutasir. The open land is called ghaiit in the Arabic language. But because the people used to go, and the Arabs are very, if you look at their language, they don't, they're not vulgar in their speech. Arabs don't like speaking vulgar. You know what a vulgar means? They don't say things that are very filthy. So, 
they like to do uh, find a way of are you with me? even if you look at the Quran Allah says oh ma, oh la if you touch your wives I mean sexual intercourse but he says touch your, touch your wife they not being direct and saying things like that so because the word ra'it meant ardul mutasi' the open land when the person goes there what does he do? he does his call of nature so they just call, the, call you doing your number two they called it what? ra'it so it moved from its original and it moved to this that's called naql are you with me? it's called al-majazu bin naql this one doesn't really exist you know why it doesn't exist? because all three types of them are naql it's transmitted from the original to something else are you with me? The whole majaz is, it's naqal, it's transferring. So for him to make a fourth, this one, it doesn't make sense. The second one is, al-majazu, al-majazu bil-isti'ara. This is the figurative speech of, by way of what? Metaphor. Metaphor. Which is, you take a characteristic that's present in something, and you place that same characteristic into something else. Like for example, you say, jidara yuridu an yanqadda. A wall that wanted to fall. Can a wall have a want? Can a wall have want? So you took the feeling that's in the humans and you gave it to who? Metaphorically you said what? The wall wants to fall. By the way, Sheikh Al-Islam, Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin Al-Shanqiti, Rahimahullah, has a kitab called Man'ul Majaz. What did you call it? Man'ul Majaz. Many years back, we taught a kitab called Daf'i Hamid al-Dirab, where all the verses of the Quran that look like they're contradicting each other, Muhammad Amin al what he did was, he, he authored a book, he got those ayats that people say are contradicting each other, and he showed that they're not contradicting each other. At the ending of that book, he added a, he, he wrote a, a book which is, is published with it. It's called Man'ul Majaz. That there's no figurative speech in the Quran or the Sunnah. He even goes a step further, he says, not even in the Arabic language. There's no such thing as figurative speech. Are you with me? And he closes that door. The reason is because there are people who believe the figurative speech can be moved to Allah's characteristics and attributes. They say that Allah, when He said, Khalaq to be a day I created with my hands, they say it's a figurative speech. It's majaz. It's not haqiqah. Are you with me, brothers? But the strongest opinion is there is majaz in the Quran. And there is majaz in the Sunnah. Are you with me, brothers? Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah believed two views. And the last view that he held is that there is majaz in the Quran and the Sunnah. Ibn Taymiyyah believed that. How do we get out of those who say that in the names and the attributes of Allah, there is majaz in it? We say, where is the... I said the word before, what did I say? Karina. There's no karina. Khalaq to be a day I created with my hand. The asal is that we leave the al-asl fil kalam al-haqiqa. The asal of the speech is haqiqa. If you show me a karina that turned it away from the haqiqa and made it figurative speech, I'll take it from you. If somebody comes up to me and says, I saw a lion, I will take it upon the haqiqa. If somebody nudges me and says, he means a brave person, I will say, you're wrong because he just told me he saw a lion. And the asal of a lion is that it's what? Haywan al-muftaris. And there's no karina in the sentence. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? And then Allah's names and attributes, all of it is upon the haqiqah. Because there's no karina in there, number one. 
And number two, Ibn Abdul Bar transmitted a ijma' from the Sahaba and the Tabi'in and the Tabi'u Tabi'in that Allah's names and attributes are what? They're al haqiqah They're literal speech. Can we go against ijma'? Allah says in the Quran, وَمَنْ يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَبِعِ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّهُ وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمُ وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا The hellfire is a final abode of a person who goes against ijma'. Are you with me, brothers? So we have an ijma', number one. And number two, we have a what? No qareena that diverted it from its literal speech and made it a figurative speech. Are you with me, brothers? That's the safest way. Don't have a headache with a person by saying this is not, there's no figurative speech in the Quran and the Sunnah and all day he proves it to you and he says to you, okay, Bukhari said it in Khalq al-Af'al al-Ibad. Bukhari did say it. That there's figurative speech. And your whole debate, you're going to lose it. Your discussion is going to go wrong because he's trying to prove you. Does that make sense? It's easier to let the dialogue go by saying there is figurative, there is figurative speech, but show me the karina. You will never be able to be in your karina. Does that make sense? You will never be able to. So read the Tuhfatul Iraqiyah by Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah and the Risalatul Madaniyah by Ibn Taymiyyah. Those two books, especially the Risalatul Madaniyah, Ibn Taymiyyah wrote it. It was his last works that he wrote. So that means he has two views. There's a view that he says there's no majaz, but he came back from that. He came back from that. Rahimahullahu ta'ala. Yeah, let's do this chapter. Hey, How well, long do we have? Fifteen. <laughs> I think it's fifteen, inshallah. Ta'ala. Hey, ten minutes we have. على الصحيح إلا ما دل الدليل على قصد التكرار ولا يقضي الفور والأمر بإيجاد الفعل أمر به وبما لا يتم الفعل إلا به كالأمر بالصلاة أمر بالطهارة المؤدية إليها وإذا فعل يخرج المأمور عن العهدة Now we're going to go into the chapter of الأمر What was the first chapter that we did? أقسامه أقسام الكلام We finished that right? We're now going to move to the second chapter of the author What is it? We're now going to go into دلالات الألفاظ We're going to go into the Dalalatul Al-Fad, which is what, what is it? Al-Amru, which is the second chapter in this book. Al-Amru. Amr is what? Tala Abu Al-Fi'li ala wajhi. Ala wajhi al-Ilzam. Amr is when you're commanded to do something in a forceful manner. Okay? Okay. Let's look at the definition of the author of Amr. He mentioned four things for Amr. In his definition. How many things? He mentioned four things. Write this down. Number one is verbal command. Istid'a'u fi'li. It's verbal command. Say that again. What did I say? No, make that. Make that number two. Make number one. 
requesting for action. Make number one, requesting action, requesting an action, I'm demanding an action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, the translation here is confusing. Come back, uh, listen to what I'm saying. The first one is istidaul fi'li. Number one is demanding an action. I'm a commanding an action. I'm commanding this person an action. I want from him. What do I want from him? Mm. Number two is verbally. Number two is verbally. How am I? How am I requesting for this person to do the action? Verbally. And then I want you to remember this: a command does not is not is not is never taken from an action. The Prophet's action does not show obligation. It doesn't show it's a command. A command is taken from where? Let us speak. Are you with me, brothers? It's, a command is taken verbally. The person has to say, do this. Are you with me, brothers? That's number two. Verbally, what can also be verbally under that as well? Writing. Something is written for you. To, the Prophet wrote a letter to the leaders and he commanded them in that lit. That's all verbally, okay? And ishara. That's also a command, right? All of that. That's all a command. Like in the Prophet just going and doing something by himself. Just standing there and just doing something. His action alone, it doesn't show command. Are you with me, brothers? Does it? It's not a command. Are you with me, brothers? Mm-hmm. Number, okay, that's, how many, how many did I mention? I mentioned two, right? Number three is Man huwa dun al-amri The command has to come from someone high Are you with me brothers? It's a person who's high is commanding a person who's low So it's coming from high to low It's coming from high to what? Low Remember You all say to Allah Allahumma Allahumma gfilli Allahumma Okay, ighfir is it not a fi'l amr? So are you commanding Allah? Can we call that an amr? Why do, why do you call that an amr? Why do you call that a dua, not an amr? No It's coming from low to high So when it comes from low to high Automatically the command is considered a what? A dua But if Allah ta'ala says to you something Because it's higher than you It becomes a what? Then the difference between an amr and a dua is what? Who it's coming from I'm aware it's coming from Does that make sense brothers So if I say to Allah I'm commanding No I'm not commanding Allah I'm begging Allah Are you with me brothers Same is with the parents When the child commands the parent It's not considered a what It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not considered a what It's command What is it considered Those meanings are used Not dua Dua is only for Allah are you with me, brothers? Am I making sense here? Okay. Very good. Yeah? Yeah, it's requested. Same request. Number four. In a forceful manner. In a? In a forceful. In a forceful manner. Does that make sense? In a? So how many things 
is Amr when we say it. Four points. The definition. What's the first one? It says Aul Fi'li. The person is requesting an action. Amr, you commanded a what? An action. So it's requesting an action. Verbally. From someone high to someone low. In a forceful manner. Okay? Very good. What's its form? What form does it come into? The author said, if al, do. That form. If al. That's the form of a command in the Arabic language. That form. If al. Are you with me, brothers? That's. If you look at the majority, and I'm going to conclude this at this point, inshallah ta'ala, if you look at the overwhelming majority of the Usuliyin when they speak about command, they forget when it comes to how you benefit from this evidence, the command, they only mention one type and they forget the other type. So the Siyagul Amri, the forms of Amr, is two types, right? This is gold. This benefit, this is gold. Okay? You may not even find it in the Mutawwalat. Rather, you won't even find it in the Mutawwalat. You won't find it in some of the big books. The forms in which a command comes in the Quran and the Sunnah is two ways. Number one is Siyagun Sariha. Siyagun Sariha. A direct way. That's the one the author mentioned. If'al. If'al is a direct all of these are commands. You mean, brothers? All of these are sarih, direct. Sariha, direct. The second one is Siyagun غير صريحة. Siyagun غير صريحة. It's indirect. It's what? It's indirect. This one, the second one, Ibn al-Qayyim speaks about it in his kitab Bada'i al-Fawaid. Amir al in his kitab Usul al-Fiqh, he did it. Bughiyat al-Amin. Are you with me, brothers? He mentions it. Hafidhah, The majority of other books, they do not mention it. Are you with me, brothers? Let's quickly go over something else. Then the author concluded the book with um, a couple of points. The first, the point that he concluded with is the Amar, the Amar, if al, it does show obligation, yes or no? Does it not? What about if there comes a Qarina? Just like the Haqiqah can be diverted from its literal meaning to what? A figurative speech because of a Qarina, right? The Amar can be diverted from its command if there comes a Qarina. Remember, all this, this Qarina is, is a thing. It's a, it's something comes. Are you with me, brothers? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. The Prophet ﷺ, he said in the Hadith, Sallu qabla al-ishai. Sallu qabla al-ishai. Sallu qabla al-ishai. Ba'd al-ishai. I think it's qabla or ba'd. The narration, I'm doubtful. Pray after Isha. Pray after Isha. Pray after Isha. I'm a pray before Isha. Pray before Isha. Pray before Isha. He said it three times. Are you with me, brothers? 
And then after the word you say, Liman Sha'a, whoever wants. If the word Liman Sha'a didn't come, it would have shown what? But when he said Liman Sha'a, whoever wants, what did he become? It becomes Mandub. It becomes Mandub. Recommended now. This is called the Karina Liman Sha'a. Does that make sense? There's a second type of Karina. Are you with me, brothers? There's a second type of Karina. Allah says in the Quran, Ya iladina amanu ida nudiya li salati mi yawmil jumu'ati fas'au ila dhikrillahi wa darul bayya. Dhalikum khayru lakum in kuntum ta'amalun. Fa'idha qudiyati salatu fantashiru fil ardi wa abtahu min fadlillahi wa adhkuru allaha kathira la'allakum tuflihun. Fa'idha qudiyati salah. When the salatul jum'a finishes. What did Allah say? Fan. Can I not say in the masjid? Pay attention to this. Allah says when the Qutbatul Jum'ah finishes, Fantashiru, all of you go out and spare, run out of the masjid. But I want to stay to Asr. Does the Imam have to say, hey, get up, Fantashiru fil ardi. Allah told everybody to go out and, and look for their risk. Can you, huh? Question. This is the Amr. And you said it's obligation. This is another Qareena here. Are you with me, brothers? There's another Qareena here, which is, Usuliyin mentioned this, which is, what was looking for your provision before, what was it before you were prevented from it? First of all, you were doing business, you were out there in your shop, buying and selling. The adhan went off, because Allah said, You were prohibited from what you were doing. So you put it down, you lock your shop, and you come where? You come to the masjid. What was the buying and the selling before the Jum'ah adhan went off? What was it? It was? It was Mubah. Was it not Mubah? It was Mubah. The scholars, they said, whatever the, if anything had a ruling, and then it got prohibited, and then you get commanded, it goes back to what it used to be. So what was something you were doing? If it was wajib, and then you get prohibited, then it goes back to the wujub. If it was mubah, and you get prohibited from it, it goes back to the mubah again. The command here goes back to the original form that it used to be. Like Allah says in another ayah, Ya iladina amanu la taqtulu sayyidu antum hurum, wa man qatalahu minkum muta'amidan fajazahu mithlu ma qatala minan na'am, yahkumu bihi dawa'adin. Allah says, in the ayah, in the same ayah, Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, he says, وَإِذَا حَلَلْتُمْ فَاسْطَادُوا وَإِذَا حَلَلْتُمْ فَاسْطَادُوا and if you what? If you finish Hajj and you get into your state of Ihram, so you get out of your state of Ihram and you finish Hajj and everything is over, Allah said, Fastadu, go and what? Hunt. Does that mean everybody after Hajj starts, has to go out and start hunting? Now it means that the hunting was Mubah, it got prohibited for a period of time which was Hajj, it goes back to? It goes back to what it used to be. That's another Karina. The last point I want to mention, because my time has finished, is two points, quickly. If the Prophet and Allah and His Messenger command something, does that show repetition? If Allah tells you to do something, does that mean you have to keep doing it again and again, or you just have to do it once? Does the command benefit repetition, or is one time enough? The scholars, they take... It doesn't, it does not, the author here, he says, 
it doesn't benefit or doesn't show repetition. What's the evidence for that? Because of the hadith of the Prophet when he said to the man, Inna Allaha amarakum an tahujju fahujju. Allah commanded you to do hajj, so everybody do hajj. The man he said, Ya Rasulullah, afakulla amin ya Rasul. Every year. So the fact that he asked every year shows that in the statement there wasn't in there. Because he turned at him and he said, if I made it obligatory on you, it would have been obligatory. So the scholars took from that, وَلَا يَقْتَضِي التَّقْرَارِ The other point that he mentioned here is, does it show al-fawriya? If the Prophet commands something and Allah's Messenger commands something, do you have to do it straight away? Or you can do it when you want, but you just have to do it. Does it show al-fawriya or does it not? The strongest opinion is that it does. Because Allah said, فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ And the wajib falls under the khayrat. Hasten to the good. وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةِ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ It's to hasten to that which... Are you with me, brothers? Unless that thing, you don't have the ability to do it now, then you get... You have to do it when you have the ability. And when you have the ability, is when the command was given to you anyways. So you have to do it straight away then. Last but not least, the author mentioned here, which is something that's not obligatory. It was never an obligatory. But the goal is obligatory. Are you with me, brothers? I'll give you an example. Um, I don't have no clothes. Are you with me? Let's, let's not make an easier one. I go to a shop. I, I have money in my pocket. Do I have to go and buy water? Brothers, do I have to go and buy water? Okay. Salah time, salah time came in and there's no other way to get water. Do I have to buy water? Buy water in the, in the beginning wasn't wajib on me to buy water. But now I have to buy water for what reason? Wudu for what? So the salah is wajib. So the scholars, they said, Anything that the obligatory act, which is the salah here, cannot be done without it, it becomes obligatory for you to come with. So buying the water from the shop and saying thank you and taking that water was not originally obligatory on you. But now it became obligatory on you. Why? The salah came in. So you'll be forced to go buy it. Are you with me, brothers? And he spoke about that qa'ida uh, as well. مَا لَا يَتِمُ الْوَاجِبُ إِلَّا بِهِ فَهُوَ وَاجِبٌ And inshallah ta'ala, we're going to speak about the nahi, uh, inshallah ta'ala, next lesson. I didn't forget to mention the chapter that was missing from me. I haven't forgotten. I'll just mention it tomorrow, inshallah.